This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Live commentary. Uh, ball back with companion centre of the field. I hope he plays a long raking pass. He doesn't. <laughs> it's found Dobby. Oh, again, he's tried to... Have you got a word for those short passes? Well, I've got a word for that short pass, but um, <laughs> I better not say it. Live interviews. Yeah, I think that's where we'll be for, for the foreseeable future. You know, we're working on some interesting things there. And um, I think that redeveloping, redeveloping it bit by bit is probably going to be our best option. Expert analysis. Hello and welcome to a special Homestyle Radio mini-podcast. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm salivating for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Well, most of the time anyway. Homestyle Radio. Today, as we look back at an incredible season in the company of a lovely bunch of Palace fans. Uh, supporting me in doing so today are Ben Nagel, <laughs> Alex White, <laughs> Nick Gillard, Joe Hollyoak, cheers! Okay, the response to this to, to the next one is uh, okay. Mark Ross. Tony Pears. Tom Sansit. And the amazingly brilliant producer Mikey. There's a swear word in my notes. Mikey really wants you to all take pictures of him later on. Anyway, what you're about to hear is a review of what we consider to be the highlights of this past season, as we look to make sense of having the manager of the season, the best fans in the league, Premier League survival, and having taken part in the game of the season, at a time when we could have been forgiven for taking our foot off the gas. Uh, since we're doing this live and with an audience, we've foolishly agreed to play the whole radio drinking game. This revolves around each presenter having a go-to phrase. In the case of myself and Ben, we say the word fantastic way too much. If we say the word fantastic, apart from when I'm saying it now, we have to drink two fingers of our drink. Okay? What's the word? Yeah. Um, uh, so my, my word is, is the word I just said, as is Ben's. Alex White is the phrase at the end of the day. 
Nick Gillard, any pun, he makes any pun at all, he has to drink. Gerald Holyoke is any swear word at all. Mark Ross is the word er. It's going to be a problem, isn't it? Make sure you've got the drink sign up, mate. Tony, Tony, where's Tony? There he is. Tony says you know more than Steve Barrett does. So, you know He doesn't, you know. And, uh, and Tom, for when Tom speaks, any mispronounced word. Tom has no command of the English language at all. Tom once said the phrase, escaped goat, is an escape goat. Who is Tom? Who Anyway. So, if uh, any presenter does become ill through the repetition of their phrase and subsequent drinking, they may ask for a volunteer from the audience to take their drink for them. Hey! hey. <laughs> one or two uh, yeah. you, you didn't disagree then, did you? <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, if no one notices that the presenter in question uses their phrase, they can skip that, that punishment. So do pay attention. Alright? Pay, pay, pay attention. Hey. Yeah. Well, I hate you so much, <laughs> Anyway, this is obviously a really, really bad idea. And with Steve turning up later, we're all going to be smashed to try and interview him, but, you know, you'll help us out. Anyway, on we go, on we go. Yeah, what? You're the only one with a drink, you I know, we need to sort that out. Tom? Take my discard. So anyway, listen, the, uh, the first part of uh, what we're going to talk about, we talk a little bit about the aftermath of promotion. Um, so Joel, Joel and Alex will be uh, doing that with me, first of all. And, um, See guys, promotion time, we've got Ian Holloway in charge, we've got uh, you know, the, the squad that finished that season, we've all knitted together and produced some amazing performances, um, how are we feeling about, about our prospects? I mean a lot of, uh, lot of the talk from outside the club was that we're going to go straight back down, record lowest points total, did you think that was the case at the start of the season, Joe, before any transfers and that? Yeah, I did. Yeah? I did, yeah. I think most people, if you, if you look to the, the squad that came up, um, couldn't see it any other way and we were a million miles away from anything near the bottom of the premiership so yeah I really I really did think that we would we would struggle um, but not not lowest points we were always decent pretty decent at home against whoever so I, I never thought lowest points mm. Alex I mean what was what were your fears for the, for the start of the season really well, I think you look at that Ian Holloway side that he brought up when he had Blackpool and they gave it a real good go and I did expect us to do do something similar in that but you still thought our form towards the end of last season a very disjointed side um, and a side that lacked complete spirit and as soon as you take that spine out of the team over the summer as soon as you ripped out a lot of those players we just looked like a complete bunch of strangers so did, any, exactly did, did any of you think that we'd have a managerial change that early did you see it being a managerial problem I didn't think Ian would walk as soon as he did uh, I respect him for his decision and I think it was the right decision but I think Steve Parrish and, and co would have stuck with him for as long as as long as you know he got us promoted in the day would have stuck with him until he decided to walk and at the end of the day at the end of the day <laughs> Get him another round. What up? Yeah. I was going to ask him when night was. Uh, um, we have to speak into a microphone next to me, I heard. That's, he made a pun actually. Yeah. Did he? That's a very, 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 very
it's a valid point about about, uh, about Holloway walking. That was a very strange one. Mm. I'm not too sure how many Premier League managers have actually walked away from a job. I can't think there's going to be many, if at all. And, and the good thing is, he's having coming out with complete honesty, saying that he really wasn't up to it, which was uh, yeah. which is a rarity these days, rather than a, a mid failure. Yes, we'll have, a, we'll have a little chat about the detail of that in, in a moment. Um, obviously, one of the things that Holloway was in charge for was that first transfer window, and um, at the time, we, I, I listened back to our shows before doing this, at the time, we all thought... Yeah, that along with Steve Barish uh, who came on the show for that transfer window we thought it was a very successful window we brought in an awful lot of talent uh, you know and if I, I'll read out what we did now I'm glad I said someone else's phrase out if you know um, so we, we signed Jerome Thomas Flori, Florian Morange Jose Campagna Elliot Rondin Dwight Gale Neil Alexander Marianne Schumacher Jason Punchin on loan, Jimmy Kebe, Adrian Mariapa, Cameron Jerome on loan, Jack Hunt, Adelaine Gediora, Barry Bannon and Stephen Zorn. Um, I've suggested that the failures in that were Thomas, Morange, Campagna, Grandin, Alexander, uh, Kebe, Hunt and Dobby, um, and they weren't used, but then that still leaves quite a, quite a successful bunch, really. I disagree about Hunt. Hunt broke his leg. Mm. I mean, he can't be considered a failure. Of all, of all of those that, that really we were I thought we'd, we'd get excited about after losing Will was Kevin mm. he has been I don't know Eric masquerades as a footballer I mean he's done nothing at Leeds I don't even know where, where, he, where he is now can't get in the Leeds side and he's still, still contracted to us for next year I mean Marange was just a complete failure for, from the club nothing about the football side of it mm. that was a, a complete letdown because he wasn't the footballer that he was led to believe uh, believed to be Brendan uh, 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 mixed you know everyone that I spoke to um, they just said he was he was rubbish you know? Um, so uh, Neil Alexander Scott and mate was a Rangers fan said he comes across his really really experienced Champions League experience I don't know why he didn't get inside um, at the time it would have been you know the way that things were going ticks up at the beginning I thought he, he may have had a chance to be what, honest with do, do you think he would have displaced Jules that early in the season oh, yeah but it doesn't, it doesn't matter we've lost 9 out of the first 10 games you, you've got to be thinking you've got to start making changes it doesn't matter where it comes from can't just blame you're playing one up front so we're not going to score loads of goals but we weren't scoring any goals so um, but yeah Jerome Thomas I believe he had an injury as well but I just think he's injury prone so um, but going through Campania I just don't think the time is right for him really he's a flair player and and at the time we couldn't we we couldn't have you can't have flair in in what was at the time a very very poor side it was a very poor side uh, with no cohesion you can have flair when when everything's going good for you Everything works flare-wise, it backflips. But you know, we, we need obviously it's been proven that we've needed KG, uh, Jedi, and uh, my favourite. Joe Ledley? <laughs> I can't even think of his name. Um, okay. Okay, Stuart O'Keefe. Okay, Stuart O'Keefe. They're the three. But yeah, it's uh, some, some of them have, have been failures, and so uh, and punching, punching's just got better and better for me. He was rubbish. I don't care what people. Now we watched him. He was rubbish. Playing for himself, not for the team. And now as he's gone on, he's he's more and more playing for the team. And and you can see now that he's 
his confidence was was zero, and then he went and went and the, the penalty against Spurs was just fast for him, and he just. You could have given up all that one. Yeah. Um, if, if, um, I'm not sure what point you bring during that rant, Joe. But um, I've, cap- I've covered them all. Yeah. No. Um, Alex, I'm not sure what's left for you, but obviously Joe said a lot of things in there. He talked about Punchin's early performances. What, what, were your, what was your view on those? I think the window as a whole, you have to see it as successful. If you see it from Parrish's point of view and the club's point of view, we had to make signings. We're in a position where I don't know what is this point. We're in a position where. <laughs> We had to go out and make these signs because we would have gone down anyway. With the side we had, if we left it, we didn't make those changes, we would have gone down. We absolutely had to take that gamble. We took that gamble and it didn't pay off for the first six months of the season. You saw Pugliano's performances were poor. You have to look at the manager at that point because you see what Tony Pulis gets out of punching and you see what Ian Holloway gets out of punching. Well, of course, a huge difference. Well, of course, players do take a... <laughs> right. <laughs> God. Some shots have just turned up for those listening to this later on. Um, this is not a great. So, um, on, on the point of the people like Punch, and who, you know, people do take a while to settle when they join a new club. That's, I mean, that, that's a given, isn't it? So, in a way, making all those changes, and we're talking about this lack of cohesion under Holloway, and you know, in a way, that that busy transfer window kind of signed his son the death warrant for him because. You know, he didn't have the luxury of time to get them all to jail. If anything, uh, Tony Pudis kind of picked that up in, at a time where, after Keith Millen had steadied the ship, um, uh, at the right sort of time. So I think it's quite hard to judge Holloway on that window to a point. But I think what came out of Holloway leaving was that he could not get that the club, to, the team, to play how he wanted them to play. And as a result, he lost the dressing room for that. I think, I think we, we're all pointing fingers here, a lot of Ian Holloway, but I think even the board, and I know how much they've done for the club, they've got to take a massive part in Ian Holloway leaving that club. You look at players like Jimmy Kebe, and I know Holloway came out soon after he left and said, I should have said no, because Jimmy Kebe was solely Steve Parrish's son, solely. And you have to look at that and say, they've both got to take responsibility. We point a lot of fingers at Holloway, and, and he wasn't good enough, and he's not good enough for this level. He's proved that he's been relegated both times. Well, he would have been halfway through his season at Palace. You, you had to take the gamble, and we did, and it didn't work. But Tony Pulis comes in with a fresh face and goes, "Look, clean slate. We'll start again, and we'll see what we can do." So going going back to the the moment the Holloway's left the club and that press conference that it really gave. Um, on watching that, most of the reaction, I think it's fair to say, was. What an amazingly positive thing to do at this stage of the season. You know, the, the phrase was fallen on his sword. But interestingly, Holloway's comments since then have been a little bit more negative and a little bit more um, along the lines of too much board interference or stuff like that. I mean, what, what's your feelings on that? Did he, he acted with a bit of class, you know, to me, he did. And not so much class, perhaps a little bit later on. I think if you look at the, uh, at the press conference, he looked ill. He, he just looked ill and I think it caught up with him to the point where He's a he realises yeah he's probably right I think he, he I think his family and his friends he said he's got the best of it you need to get out and, and I like to think that there are some people in football that that have a little bit more you know honour as such by leaving rather than staying to the end of the season and claiming wages week in week out and, and going down in a, in a manner that we were expected to by, by everyone, even most of the fans. We all thought we were going down. 
you know, it, it, yeah. all this was going to be was just going to be a money maker. I'm, I'm sure that Steve Parrish said that to go up would be, would just be, even if it was for a season, would be a money making exercise for the club. Yeah, I think the reality is probably a bit different. I think you look at the wage bill, we'll see it in the accounts next year. I think. I think quite a lot of money gets spent just by literally just being in the Premier League for that season. But going back, going back to, to what was sort of said by Holloway, I mean, Alex, you're sort of here at the time. And like I said, the, the sort of references he's made since to all involvement in transfers and such. Well, it's quite weird because the week before I'd written an article and I literally said that Ian Holloway had he'd ripped the heart out of the team and I got a load of stick off you, Homestale, you Homestale Tigers, <laughs> you keyboard warriors. Keyboard I got a lot of stick off of you lot. And the week after, he literally came out and said everything that I'd written, and it really epitomised us as a club—not the fact that he's walking away, but that we go with dignity and and pride. He realised that it was a job too far for him, and he realised he lost the dressing room. And I don't know how many you can tell many Premier League managers would walk away when they realised they lost the dressing room. They, sit, they had three and a half years left on his deal. He would have been waiting to be sacked. Take that, it take was, the rest of that money. It was that full of game, wasn't it, that convinced him that he lost the dressing room? The team went in at half time, didn't they? I know, I know from what was said after he expected to be a motivated for half time in that game, and the specifics of what went on <laughs> are, you know, have not been said. But the, the hint was that he tried to motivate, and then instead of you know enthusiasm, he got back you know some resistance and some aggression. So from certain players, this, this quote was, "What are you? What I said then." usually used to motivate them on this night it didn't he said as soon as I realised that it was gone as soon as you lost that, lose that dressing room Premier League side there's no getting it back mm. so I mean at the time we were disappointed weren't we like, to, to lose our manager but the manager that's really uncomfortable the, ma- the managerial search uh, sort of dragged on a while and Keith Millen was in charge I mean, first of all Joe word for Keith Millen the job he did in Steadying the ship. I mean, well, what he did, he, he brought back three or four players straight into the team that for the side that went up. And he gathered on, wasn't he? He gathered on, had to marry out the straight away. Exactly. But what he did, he, he brought back a bit more. You, the spirit had gone out the side, and by bringing certain players back, um, he, he gave us a he gave us a spark and a bit more a bit more belief. And, and what, what he did, he gave us cohesion, which we hadn't had in that first, you know, for the, the first third of the season. Um, which, it was it was so good to see because it was it, it was the change overnight from the, the, the game after. Um, I can't remember who it was, but it, he definitely deserves he deserves the credit, and he and it, well, he got the credit he deserved because Pulis kept him on, and I would have I would have thought that would have been one of the stipulations from the ball. But you know, if, if you want your man and he, and he doesn't want you know Pulis didn't want him, then he wouldn't have been here. So. You need a link between the players. You come in, you can't, you won't know anyone. We'd have known one or two of them, that would have been it. So, but yeah, very, very good thing for the club to keep him there. Well, the Keith Millen thing, Holloway wrote in his Daily Mirror, he said, Oh, it was great there to nil now. I think it was with Everton. But he yeah. said, I, I would never have set my team up like that. You know, I'm all about my wing backs and all of this gun expression sales. It's a load of rubbish at the end of the day, isn't it? Mm. The influence that he had on our side, that win against Hull, that draw against Everton, that performance against Arsenal where we, we dominated on Arsenal's side for 60 minutes. Yeah. They beat us 2 0. I was about to say, my quote, but I'm not going to. <laughs> they beat us 2 0. But ultimately, 
we, we gave him a real good go and, and that was the difference really he really brought back that cohesion yeah um, and I think the obviously the, the game that had uh, Tony Peters sat on the stand against Hull that was a, that was a Keith Millen win and obviously the team were playing in front of the new manager which I'm sure spurred them on a little bit but it just showed you that we actually made quite a lot of progress under Millen he quite rightly took um, took a bit of credit recently at the end of the season in South London Press and said that he was he was actually very proud of what he achieved um, I'm going to try and go to some of our other presenters at the moment I kind of yeah, um, and I, I want to know really get some sort of feelings on, on Keith Millen before we move on. We start with uh, you, with yourself, Nick, since you're right there. Um, I'm just waiting for Tom to plug something in. That's good. Right up. Um, so good. Yeah. So <laughs> 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 the uh, the job that uh, Keith Millen did. A few words. Please. Yeah, a bit of an unsung hero, isn't he? So, like you said quite rightly, there was that article in the uh, in the advertiser. How much of it was Millen? How much was Holloway? How much was Holloway a face? Mm. I, I don't know. Was, I was so pleased that we kept him on. It, especially that that win was was for Keith Millen, and you felt the players had gone out to do that specifically for him. And, Definitely. And it was like the bridging bit. And, and going back to Holloway, you know, I'm sure we look back now. We were we were bits at the time when he went, but it was the best thing that happened all season. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. As a sort of thing leading off of it. Yeah, I mean, with the benefit of hindsight, definitely, yeah. you, can, you can see that. But it was difficult at the time. Um, I want to hear from Mr. Mark Ross now, mainly because he's definitely going to say his special word. I want to see him drink. But, um, Mark, a, a bit on the, the managerial search, a bit of background to that. Obviously, we remember back then, it did take an incredibly long time to appoint a manager, and Steve Parrish made it clear that he would appoint a manager when he was ready. But it kind of got a bit hysterical on the message boards. Um, were you worried at the time? So I was worried. It was just there was a lot of managers available at the time, and some of them just didn't. He's <laughs> trying so hard not to say <laughs> Didn't deserve the time of day. And yeah. at the end of the day, we we got we got the best manager that was available at the time. And, uh, and Mark's got a shot. So kind of drink. Can we? Um, yeah, well, one last little bit on that, Mark. Um, so, yeah, we got the best manager available at the time. Was that your opinion at the time, that Tony Pulis was the best available? Well, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Uh, probably not. Yay! I think it's a wonderful thing, and I think at the end of the day, <laughs> we, we got the man suited specifically so, for our needs. <laughs> so, to answer the question, yeah, you thought at the time Pope Judas was the best person. I didn't know at the time that he was definitely the best person, oh. but of the candidates out there, I think that for our particular situation and yeah. for you know state we're in and position we're in that he, that he was the candidate that the board chose okay. most suited our needs um, okay um, Tom do you want to uh, grab that mic back don't worry I did the edit that little bit in just to get yourself another yeah. one I did. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just like guys just pass that between yourselves, that'd be good. Um, okay, just to, on the on the subject of picking the manager, 
Here's, um, here's some quotes from the, from the time. Basically, October 2013, we did a show on the day that Holloway left. Uh, we spoke to Alex Donahue and Ladbrokes. Ladbrokes? It's Ladbrokes. Um, and he said that the one-way traffic at the time was on Tony Pulis. Some people got him at 8-1, but he was drifting into evens. Uh, Avram Grant was 16-1. to one. Uh, Alan Kovacic in there at 16-1. Tony Popovich at 33-1. to one. Uh, But the early signs were pulling towards Tony Pulis. And obviously, it was several weeks before that happened. Uh, our reaction was, was this, really. We had a uh, former presenter, Matt Packham, called in and said, if we're going to go down, which I think is always going to happen, Holloway was the best man to bring us up next season. Mr. Joe Holyoke, sitting to my right there, said, I've never seen scenes like it after the Fulham game. I can't believe our fan base is like that. People charging across seats to go and abuse our players' manager on what is going on. Completely avoiding the question of whether Pulis was the right choice. Uh, I said, I'm hoping for Warnock. I think he's exactly what we need. I think he regrets leaving. Oh, for sake. He regrets leaving when he did. There's unfinished business. Uh, listener Simon King said, please not Pulis, no long balls. Uh, ben said that he agrees with me about Neil Warnock, uh, but for Premier League experience, I suppose Tony Pulis wouldn't be too bad. I hate you, Ben. Um, Joel said there's not a name on the list I want, uh, but what Parish and Co have done for us is unprecedented, so I trust their judgment. Well done, Joel. And uh, Tony says, I'd rather not have Pulis personally. Uh, if we can go and get in Di Matteo, it would be a good shout. Martin O'Neill too. I've had to, have to go with you though, Chris. Neil Warnock is who I want. <laughs> and we'll leave it there. So basically, that was our feelings at the time. Nick? Did somebody say they back? Did somebody say they back whoever it was? Who was that? Said they back whoever I, 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 I said I would back whoever, whoever Parish and Co chose. I would back their judgment. We've got a clip of somebody saying they back. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, Nick. <laughs> I remember that, mate. Um, so, those were our thoughts, but obviously, it's got to be the right choice, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, benefit of hindsight and all that, and, uh, but it, it took so long. What did you think about how long it took? Are you getting nervous? No, because I think with the transfer window, we saw the mistakes that we made by, by you know, by buying in very average support players. And, and, and well, this is that, a window we just described as a success. Well, yeah, but it wasn't a success, was it? It was a, it was a success to anybody that was looking to get players in. But the players we got in were so out, out of those, out of all those names, you can only take three off there that, that have been a success because they're still with the team. Mm. So everyone else has been either gone out on loan um, or, or they've, you know, they've just gone. So, yeah, I, I think uh, it took a while, but I'm glad now that we we just trust the ball. Whatever they, whatever they do so far, they've, they've done right. The, the one thing they've done wrong is by rushing into that transfer window, and they've, they've seen that mistake, and now they've learned from it, obviously. So, <laughs> so when did we start to believe it? You know, obviously, Millen made his changes... Uh, the basic side pulled together, the spirit seemed to come come back. Um, just to give you a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about, when Curtis's early record, um, he started with a 1-0 defeat to Norwich at home. Uh, we then went away uh, and... Oh, Norwich was... Oh, yeah. All right. No, no, it's 1-1 at home, it was 1-0 away to... Anyway, forget that. West Ham, we, uh, we beat 1-0. 1-0 defeat to Norwich, 1-0 to West Ham. Anyway, 2-0 uh, 
win against Cardiff and then we lost to Chelsea away then there was the aberration the 3-0 defeat uh, to Newcastle and beat Villa and narrowly lost to Man City so that takes us up to the January window before we change anything in the squad uh, we picked up uh, we were 17th in 16 points so just so that's the context we picked up a couple of wins lost a couple of games uh, you know at that point, where did you think we'd be avoiding relegation? 17, 16 points in January? For me, as a Palace fan, yeah. that Keith Millen game where we won 1-0, yeah. I thought, do you know what, we've got that spirit back. That side that got us promoted and, and taken us through so many years, Anna Freeman and, and people previous, that we, we've we got that back because we're good at that. That's what we do. We're a spirited side. And you saw you saw Tony Pulis there and he, he gave a few instructions to Millen to change the side and, and play three at the back. And... Even that, even that result there really gave me hope because the players really wanted to win that one properly. Over the last 15 games I've seen that season, that one game really stood out. And even that run, I think even that Norwich game, we lost 1-0, but so many spirits we took from that game, we saw more of an organised side. We didn't quite have an awful lot of chances, but yeah. we, we carried on that, that grip. That, that, we, that we're so famous for. Yeah, it's, it's similar to the defeat away at Chelsea, wasn't it? I mean, we, obviously we lost the game, but the performance was solid, and that's what we got. As soon as Tony Pulis came in, solid performances. Other than that, Newcastle... We knew, we knew if we performed like that, we would beat teams in this division. And if we play like that at home, then we'll beat teams easily in this division. Joe, and, and we did. Joe, you're less likely to get excited, uh, generally, about... Just in general, but, like, in particular about football results. It's your age, I think, but... No, um, can, can I just go to that Newcastle game? The one we lost yeah, 3-0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were completely outclassed in that game. Yeah. If you remember, it was blowing a hoolie, yeah. packing it with rain, and New, Newcastle, when they play at home, that's what it's like every game for them. They performed in that, mm-hmm. and, a, and the person I thought, the, the only time this season I thought Jedinak was completely bossed, uh, Sissoko smashed him up. He did, yeah. I mean, he is just a beast. He is an absolute beast, and he got done. So, the, so the, you know, saying about aberration, we didn't deserve. We weren't at the races, but we weren't. You know, they were ping, We were passing it, and our passes were getting intercepted. They were pinging. Their control was everything about them was a lot, lot better. Yeah. And I think that Pulis turns around. He can show them the video of that game. Yeah. And turn around and go, see that. That's what you need to do. Yeah. And now, very average Newcastle. Well, they, they say it turned after they got rid of Kabayi. It was also <coughs> sensational that day. Uh, you know his technique was absolutely immense but I mean that's obviously that's one game and I, I call it an aberration because it was the one time I thought actually we do look again like a championship side here we're, we've been bossed by that but it was a very it was a very rare occasion mm. can I just say about the, even that game I think when you look at Pulis and so many people were against Pulis coming in because of his brand of football that he comes with the brand of football that he brings is actually far greater than what we had under Ian Holloway at the time Ian Holloway was playing get it and just get rid of it as quick as you can to Marin Shamak and and we, we actually played some really good stuff and I'd rather us go down giving it a go under someone like Peter and we actually played a lot a lot a lot better football and you'll all agree on the counter attack we're, we're one of the best sides in the league on, on the counter attack and yeah. the last few weeks we've really shown that and I'd rather go down really giving it a go than just abysmal management by a joke of a manager really but the, the sort of irony of um, the situation has been a counter-attack team. That's what we were under Dougie, and that's what Ian Holloway was brought in to try and change, to try and get us to uh, to appreciate, you know, better football, play more possession football. When what we've ended up doing is accepting that we don't need that the possession of the football, but we need to, you know, to be more precise. And, 
is that probably the one thing that, that Judas has done? He's been better able to assess the talents of what he's got. Yeah, Holloway really did have his, his mindset on playing a wonderful brand of football, but I think you need to understand a certain a certain club has a certain philosophy that you can't change overnight. And Ian Holloway really tried to do that. And so this club worked perfectly for Tony Pulis. And Freeman, we never controlled the ball or he was hit him on the counter-attack. Tony Pulis, his philosophy at Stoke was long ball, but his philosophy here is completely different to what it was at Stoke. We get the ball, we win it back, and we hit him on the counter-attack because he's got that pace of Balassi later punching and ints to expose that and he's really understood that and, and that, I think that's the difference there between a Premier League manager and a Championship manager really definitely ok um, so Joe we've, we've talked in um, detail about the the, the the original window the summer transfer window if you like Tony Pulis has got us to 17th and 16 points there's a suggestion that he would get a better budget from the board if he got us to a certain level of points uh, at that the window, the time the window opened um, and he was given the opportunity let's let's go through the uh, the window for January and see if we can identify any failings from that window we signed Thomas Inns on loan uh, Thomas Inns on loan Wayne Hennessy Scott Dan Joe Ledley and the permanent signing of Jason Punchy any complaints for that window? Um, well if we're led to believe the again we'll find out at the end of the season with the, with the facts and figures money a lot of money but 15 games at 66 grand a game for for Ince as um, you know I was I said that three quarters of the way through the season we needed to spend 50, 60, 70 grand on two players a week in wages to get some sort of class into the side and I was almost laughed out of town and then lo and behold we go and get Ince who plays three and a half games out of the last 15 that we give 66 grand a game to so um I don't think he's shown any potential and in all honesty I, I just had this conversation with King B about an hour ago and I, and I said this, this will be my point if we were paying 66 grand a week for Inks and I would imagine that the the fan base would be probably be split who would you rather have for half that money and what he's on at Man United would you have Wolf back over Inks would you have would you have Wolf back over Inks Yes, there you go, and, and we can get him for 30, 35 grand, mm. which is going to be the total wages that he's going to be wanting up so, there. So, in your view, it's a bonus. Yeah, I would, I would say yes. I would say yes. Yeah, um, Hennessy obviously he got the, the last game of the season. Um, two goals, couldn't do anything about that. He looks commanding, very big guy. Um, you know, he, he doesn't look suited. I don't think, believe we should be looking anywhere else. Um, then. Again, looks like a, a utility player. Ledley, a yeah, utility. Utility player. Yeah, Top class centre back. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, you can play him at left back. You can play him right away across the back. If you if, if, if you look at, I would disagree with you. Well, I'm, 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 I mean, everything as well. Ledley, did he not play? Yeah, did he not play at centre left back as well? He is. Yeah. Yeah. No, what you're saying. As a centre back, a utility. Never left back. All right back. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is that some of the players that we've got now, we've got four players that are utility players. We just look at Joel Wall. What does he play? Centre midfield, he's playing left back, right back. Where's he playing? He plays everywhere. So what I'm saying is, yeah, exactly. But what I'm saying is, we've got four or five players now that are that are utility players, and he likes, and I think he likes that. Um, it just gives us more options. So, and Punchin, well, Punchin's definitely been, you know, he's just got better and better for me. Um, the, the criticism, the criticism that he got at the beginning of the season. Um, 
I think it was justified, justified right the way through. Um, and the, like I say, you can't, you can't argue, he was giving us 10 minutes a game, and you're out there for 90 minutes. And now we, you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's an integral part of the team now. We said the, the other day on the show, his reasons, he felt the same. He, he felt that you know, he was a bit sort of, uh, he lacked a bit of confidence when he joined us. He actually said it was because he almost felt uh, intimidated in the atmosphere going back to his boyhood club. Um, and he felt pressure to perform and it was totally fearless you, oh, certainly after the penalty you, we sort of calmed him down and got him, got him in the right frame of mind to play and we saw the difference yeah but it, uh, to, coin, to coin someone else's phrase at the end of the day he's a professional footballer don't matter if he's playing at, at Palace San Siro Wembley anywhere you just got to, you get on there and you, you pick out someone in the same colour shirt as you I think what he was trying to do at first he was trying to pick the ball up on the inside right Run down the wing, cut inside, and then hit a worldie into the into the. Well, they weren't trying to hit any worldies. He just get in the right side of. He just wasn't hitting anything. Um, so, but like I say, he's just got better and better. But he needed he needed Pulis's experience to put his arms around him, especially after that miss. I mean, he just got the, you know on Twitter that penalty was on Twitter within five minutes, and it was viral. Yeah, it yeah. was viral, and he was getting caned. This is the worst penalty in the history of football. Well, it was pretty horrendous, wasn't it? But, um, but, but I mean, the way he's come back, I really need a shot. The way he came back is just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Can you swear? Um, oh, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, Alex, Joe's given a comprehensive, <laughs> um, that's really sweet, a comprehensive rundown of his opinion on that transfer window. Can you do it a bit more succinctly, please? Well, you look at the window and, and every single player there was there was a success, really. Bar Hennessy, you can't really, you can't really ask to get him in the team. Scott Dan, I think, really, really, really showed his Premier League experience and why he's been captain at every single side he's played at. He was one of the largest differences in us keeping our, the amount of clean sheets that we did. Mm. Tom Ince was a tricky one. Tom Ince played in games where I personally wouldn't have played him. I think Swansea away, where he got played, is a game where you're always gonna you're gonna accept losing possession, and it's not. And he's such a player that that needs the ball constantly, constantly, constantly. And and that game wasn't for him. I think he was just unlucky. But I think if he decides to come back next season, then we've got a really good player on our hands and a player that will get a chance because. This summer is a big difference for for Pulis, and I think he might change the way we actually play football even now. All right, okay. So um, mm, interesting. All right, well we'll come to that when we talk about the future in a little while. Uh, ben, you've arrived, so I suppose you best get your uh, immediate views. What we've been talking about. I like the way you said hello and then looked at the audience, like like they were going to give a shit. <laughs> 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 Celtic and 
Um, but yeah, absolutely brilliant player and, and will be for the next you know, three or four seasons if he, if he stays at Palace. I think he's sort of reaching his peak now uh, and, and really can do brilliant things in a Palace shirt. Do you think it was this window, the changes we made in this transfer window, that kept Palace up? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, you spoke about Ince to a point, and I know he hasn't had a lot of games, but he made an impact because he scored the goal uh, that was important and, and led in that game as well. And let's not forget, it's the Ince push Balassi exactly, and, yeah. and punch him to, to perform every week. Yeah, and then Hennessy, for the same reason as that, was yeah. only pushing him. Um, Dan is is absolutely brilliant, and the partnership he's formed with Delaney has been you know, perfect week in, week out. And, Sorry, we've got a clip for, for what people think of Delaney later on right. that Lucy provided. Um, we'll try and, if we can remember to edit it into that point there, we'll try and do it. You got that, Mikey? Uh, yeah, and then punching, obviously, uh, um, pretty much single-handedly kept us up with his goals. So, you know, there, was, there was a period of about three home games where he was scoring, you won one in every game, and he was yeah. scoring the, the goals. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was vital in that, that run of games that yeah. we did, but we won... It was five in a row in the end, wasn't it? Yeah. It was obviously a, a and you, you've got to look at that as the reason we stayed up five wins in a row. I mean, yeah. That's un- unbelievable. Well, I mean, it leads us nicely on to talking about that. Um, January the 1st to late March saw us beat Stoke, Hull and West Brom twice, if you count the, the cup result. Yeah. Uh, we drew against Norwich and Swansea and Sunderland, but we lost to Spurs, Wigan in the cup, Arsenal, Man United, Southampton and Newcastle. And after that Newcastle game, we were still 17th. We had... We had 28 points and we were three points above the drop. And it was at that point there that we embarked on the five-game winning run. We beat Chelsea 1-0, which was an amazing day. Uh, went away and, and beat Cardiff 3-0. Then Villa 1-0, Everton 3-2, which was a brilliant away day. Uh, West Ham 1-0 um, before we lost 2-0 to, to Man City. So that secured our safety. We, we, were, we were done and dusted there. So, I mean... For that run, I mean, what, what were the? You know, I talk about this talk about our favourite moments of that run, really. And for me, Chelsea and Everton were, were memorable in stunning game. But for the Cardiff win, there was so much on that Cardiff win. It was the fact we went there and we smashed them 3-0. But I've got horrible memories. I don't know about you guys, who, any of you who went to the um, second leg in the, the semi-final on it, where we didn't have a shot. Paddy got sent off. It was just horrible. It's one of my worst memories supporting Paddy having to go to that place. And we never really do particularly well there. And to go there, you know, it was basically, if we win that game, I felt we were going to be safe. Uh, Mikey got angry with me saying we were safe for beating him. Uh, after the match but I genuinely thought that was it because we'd done it so comprehensively that is us we've won it and it was a beautiful moment for me so yeah I mean that was that was a point as well for me that I thought you know maybe we, we can do this and we're probably uh, very nearly there but the Chelsea game is one that I'd pick out as, as a main result because up until that point we were beating the teams in and around us that we needed to beat but we hadn't had a scalp against a bigger team you know one fighting at the top of the league and, and the Chelsea result really showed that you know it was our first of the season other teams around the bottom have done it you know beating Man City Chelsea teams like that but that was our first one um, and then from there um, you know we just kicked on but yeah the Chelsea result at home and then the Cardiff one away I think are the two for me uh, that really sort of did it for us really Alex your, uh, your memory sticking out from that period well that that Cardiff game was obviously a massive 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 match and I think that was the difference there that we actually saw we didn't just see a Tony a, a traditional Tony Pulis side we saw we saw a side that really learned to express itself in the way it played football and, and we actually showed some really good and we went there to dominate we didn't go there to try and sit back we went to go and dominate the match of football <laughs> and that is exactly what we did was that, was that video? no oh. I've got to turn it on before we right. get it. Uh, listen, Alex is a pro because during that 
that bit of conversation there. And just then, Nick is throwing darts over our heads into a dartboard. Nick? Over whose head? Oh, this is you. This is yours, is it? Jared, how old are you? 16. No, I can't do it. <laughs> no one will say anything, right? I nominate Will Cope sitting there saying nothing. Will Cope. Well, we can come and take Joe's shot, please. See all these people there. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. I'm not done. I'm not Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. Cheers. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think we'll do that. Um, so obviously we got slightly derailed there, Joe, but Alex gave a, a wonderful... Um, I've forgotten what he said, but it was brilliant. Thanks. I'll have to only do this, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. Um, so memorable points, I suppose you would have probably loved that Chelsea win. Wasn't Chelsea, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think so, because, again, like I said, in one of the shows, me and, me and uh, Danny Topley, dis- you know, we discussed at length about who we really thought we could beat at home. Um, and I was I was convinced it was Chelsea. I honestly was. Um, so yeah, but uh, even better winning it with an own goal from uh, from Terry. But I think that was a, that was a huge turning point because if you if you look at it, you know, man for man, we we should never have got anything out of that game really. And I think we we did, we finally got more belief within that run, within that five game run, to believe that we were going to stay up. And I, and I do believe that if you haven't got belief, you haven't got anything. Yeah. You, you know, the, the belief is gonna is gonna bring uh, it's just gonna bring on the. It's just, it's just the, the, it gives you the yeah. will to win. I mean, exactly. But it's all about spirit. It's all about the together. Like yeah. We're bursting, bursting the pride. <laughs> um, all right. Well, look, we had, we had some great moments there. One of one of the things we talked about, me in particular, was the Cardiff game. Um, I just want to take a quick moment to look back at what happened in the aftermath of that. Uh, Spygate. Remember that? Do you remember when that happened? That really happened. It actually happened. Amazing. Potentially um, still ongoing. Potentially still ongoing. Obviously nothing's going to come of it. Did that make it more, the more sweet then? Oh, definitely. I mean, a lot's been said of Vincent Tan this season. You know, without wanting to dwell too much on, on him and Cardiff, I mean... He's an idiot, really, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to say he is. He is an idiot because he said if they go back up, he's willing to change the colour of their shirts yeah. back to what it was. It's a complete idiotic superstition. You can pick out things all season, different things he said, just absolutely ridiculous things. Yeah, it goes to show how, how lucky we are with our owners. So I'm just very aware that we want to get uh, some more views from the team over there. Uh, Mr. Mark Ross. Looking thirsty over there. Let's have a little chat. Sure. <laughs> um, so, at any point during the whole Spygate thing, were you worried at all? <laughs> yeah, better take one in advance. Yeah. No, I just saw it was hilarious, really. Yeah, just funny. Keeping your I just saw they were clutching at straw, basically. They were desperate. You're doing it deliberately now. 
favourite thing. You always made that look sexual. Definitely my new favourite thing. Here we go. That's all I wanted. Seriously, that's that's all I wanted from you. Can you pass the microphone to Tony, please? Tony. <laughs> I can see where this is going. One of the things, obviously, that we think about the Spygate thing, a lot of people are saying it would be typical Palace to go and do this amazing run, get ourselves a level from the table, and then suddenly something will come and bite us on the arse. What do you think? I think it's sub- definitely something that could have been very bad for us. Yeah. Uh, it was just a ridiculous situation. Is, fact- it, is it just scout? Are we just talking about someone not understanding what scouting is? Is it that's? Well, was it scouting, or was it just what every team does, whether it's Sunday league or whether it's Premiership football? Gary Neville said on Sky Sports, everyone does it exactly. It must be true. All right. I'm keeping it short and sweet on purpose. I'm really angry. I'm really angry with you. Uh, But we're going to take it on to the next stage of things. We've uh, we've obviously talked about Spire again. We wanted to finish the season. And one of the things that was talked about in the... um, I think one of the things is going to be my new phrase for next year. (laughs) Drop! The media, a lot of the TV coverage mentioned that we we finished the season with integrity, that we could have been forgiven for, for sort of the players' minds being on holiday, taking off the, off the gas, trying a few young players, all that sort of that stuff, all those little cliches. But we didn't do that, and in particular, well, we, we kind of finished the season with some of the most amazing things that we've I've ever experienced in in the Liverpool three three game, um, and the sort of the party day out at Fulham where we still saw a game of quality. Um, and, and we had an amazing day out on a boat and all that sort of stuff. It, it's a great end to the season, but um, in terms of the, inte- the integrity, I guess Man City, we look at, look at that game, Tony. Yaya Torre was the difference. Other than that, the, the teams looked all right, you know, looked relatively evenly matched. I think we did match them quite well. Torre was the big difference between the two teams. He had an unbelievable game. The goal he scored was an absolute worldie. So I think, yeah, the two teams weren't quite evenly matched. It was quite nice to see that, you know, a team like us yeah. can match a team. You know. Did he? Didn't know the, uh, you know it. Did he say you know? We won it. He said it. Carry on. All right, carry on. I think that's a um, fine. <laughs> 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 no, I didn't, I didn't hear it. I, didn't, I, didn't, I just don't know. But, no, seriously, you're, you're making a good point. It was a, it was a worldie goal from your tour, eh? And, uh, and, he, and he was the difference. So, going, but going into the, the Liverpool game, and let's take you to the point where we're three 0 down against Liverpool. As you, I mean, you're doing really well with this conversation, but with three 0 down, did you even vaguely expect what you what you saw? Because none of us did really. I actually turned to my friend and I said, "If we can have one goal, just allow us one goal. Balassi would be a good shout for that one. Then they can have another five for what I cared." And that was genuinely the way I thought. It was a party atmosphere. Everyone was happy. And that would have been fair. If we'd got one goal, we all celebrate it. Everyone's happy. Good end to the season. They can have another five. They go on and win the league and City don't. You've done really well there. Okay. Uh, Nick, um, you're up next, mate. Uh, mem- memories, if you have them, of uh, the Liverpool game, please. Just... just- Use your poetry and just tell us how you felt. It's just fucking unbelievable, wasn't it? <laughs> I it mean, if you could have said 3 0 down, 15 minutes to go, it's just got to be one of the greatest nights at Sellers. And we mentioned it out the back earlier in the VIP area about how Dwight Gale has set himself up for next season and given us something, a bit of a taste, a bit of a tease of what to expect next year. 
And what about that chest control from Glen Murray? Brown Fox. All right, I've got to say. Actually, let's, um, let's, I mean, many people may not have heard Alex's views on Glen Murray before. Can we bring those back? Can I just say, I did call, cool. go back, I called Grill. Um, so, Alex, the Glenn Murray's chest control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Um, no. It's it's incredible, isn't it? What a hey, player. Serious point, though. What a player. Serious point. It, it was nearly ignored, wasn't it, in the coverage? I think the whole the whole thing takes it away from it, doesn't it, with that with that goal? But to bounce back like that really does show what what a player he is. And I do bang on about him every week and say how much I love him, but. He, he hasn't really had that clear-cut chance in the Premier League to score that goal and you know if he gets it he'll score it and that composure never to play in the Premier League in your first season in the Premier League to have that composure and that calmness and if you're Dwight Gale playing with that you know you know you're going to get a chance and he got that chance and he took it very very well so I was listening to you I promise I wasn't talking to Mike in a summary I love Glenn Murray yeah I know um, so yeah we did finish the season with integrity gel game against Fulham I mean, the fans were almost, well. The fans were effectively on holiday in party mode. Some of us were so drunk we didn't get to the ground, nor, nor care that we weren't at the ground. It's about twenty past three, but um, yeah, yeah. And um, but we still we saw what we saw from Dwight Gale, which is, kind of leads us into talking about the future. Um, I mean, two amazing goals. Coach's goal, free kick, was great, great end of the season. Yeah, I was just going to the fans. Um, I, I mean, I wasn't there, but I did hear that that we cheered Fulham's first goal. Yeah, the Palace did, yeah, fans, yeah, yeah. which was um, <laughs> so it was that much of a party. Um, no, nah, I mean, it, you know, the, the shot from from uh, from Ward, obviously going to be. It was on target. You could see the keeper had it covered, and, and he just sticks his foot out, you know, diverts it. Everyone's wrong footed. Um, poacher's goal, and then the second goal. Well, you know, the, the, you know, he scored five, I think, against Brentford a week or two weeks before. Um, he, he scored free kicks. But you could, but you could actually, he, he, he apparently scored a forty or thirty-five yard free kick. So you know, he, he, he can. He is. He is the. He is the. the part that Palace have been missing I think um, but yeah I, I love him I do and, and I'll, I'll bang on to that part where I turned around and said ages and ages ago that I thought playing him up on his own to get battered by by centre backs is, is not his way he needs to play off the shoulder or within 10, of, 10 or 12 yards of, of, of another centre forward and the flick on from Murray that you know they were 10 yards apart it was perfect so, so points points the way we can potentially look to play next season. Obviously, you, you know you're talking about a, a squad. You know it's a squad game, getting into good players. You know, everyone knows we need a left back. Um, I think we'll still be after a striker, but the, the future does look bright. Well, I don't see why we need to be after a striker. I really don't. If we if we keep what we've got, I just think that the more they play together, the more the more chances you'll create. Um, I think I think next year will be. We've had our learning curve. You know, it'll be this is the this is the most important season for us, I, I believe, because if we stay up again, um, then I, I do believe that we can say we will be an established Premier League club. Mm. <laughs> Alex, you're nodding and smiling. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it's you, great. You just yeah. with yeah. gel. Like, it's weird. Oh, it's, it feels quite weird. I hate it when he agrees with me. It feels really awkward. Yeah, don't do this. Gel, are you saying freeze dry? Yeah, 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 but one machine. Wait, 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 wait. I need to repeat the question because he's got no microphone. Tony just asked. Um, and now we've got two microphones pointed at me, and I've forgotten what Tony asked. Oh, well, do we need three strikers next season? But, but all in one, all in the team. Have we not? Have we not got? Well, yeah, because yeah, but what I'm saying is we, we need to promote from within as well. In all honesty, I think Jerome is is a. He's like Mar- I don't know. I really don't know. He's a it's a conundrum. We've got three strikers that are almost the same. That, that are very good at holding the ball. Well, we've got Jerome Murray. But yeah, but is, who, who is he going to be? Will Brown's gone, and he? he's got and he gone to Millwall. Is he going to Millwall? We've got Murray, and Gale. That's it. Tony says we've got Murray, and Gale, and that's it. Would you want? Would you want? Uh, would you want him back? So, all right. So, would you not promote from within? We need to. Who have we got that's going to come and step up to the Premiership? Tony says, "Who have we got that's going to come in and step up to the Premiership?" (laughs) (laughs) So, who do you suggest we get? Stick some names out there. You don't need to Jordan Rhodes. You've got Jordan Rhodes. Oh. 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 I'm not even going to answer that, Jordan. <laughs> no, but the whole reason we've got we've got a scouting network, Ian Moody, Tim Coe, we've got these guys in there. Yeah, but we brought in Ian Moody after that situation, and in January we made the best signs that kept us in. This division. Can I just return up to the point? The point we were discussing was obviously locking into up front. Joe, I think you're talking in terms of, you know, realistically, we have got strikers who can all play, but I, I think the point is, you know, you, you don't get everyone available all the time throughout the whole season. You want the luxury of being able to change your system to the team that you're playing, you know, and I think you've got work to do. We've got a strength up front. Because there are periods of time this year when we simply weren't scoring enough goals. You got you cannot you cannot say that Dwight Gale will play on that form, playing alongside Mario yeah, Trout. Why not? Yeah, but if you're if you're one nil down in the game and you've got Murray Murray and Gale up top, we have to look to that that, that substitute and go, who is going to come on and change a game and score a goal for me? I don't look at that bench. Shamak can score goals for season, but he's not an out and out goal scoring striker. If we have those two up front and we go right, we need a go. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, how many strikers have we got? Chris, we've got nine midfielders last time. We've got nine, nine or ten midfielders. We've got about seven. And we're over, we were over run with midfielders. Yes. To the point where they. Here, but my feeling is we're going to need at least four strikers next year and we need to buy a striker. I'll probably think we'll buy a, um, a foreign striker. The thing is, the danger is because we don't know where, but the thing is, right, I don't think we're an English one, but all I'm saying is, Gail's done brilliantly for us, but we can't heap too much pressure on him. He's got to be. The fact is, him and Murray were playing in the, I think, under 21s a few good weeks before. 
And if Gelt gets cropped, he will be up to Kazi next year. We, we need another striker. We need four quality strikers. I hope you keep Murray. He might not be able to do the full deal, deal but the things what you get with Glenn, even if he's not scoring, he'll make the goals, as Jed actually said. But I think we definitely need to buy another striker because we haven't still got enough quality up, up the front, up top. Oh, I'll come back then, right. So we've got three strikers. And I and I personally, this will put a cat amongst pigeons, I personally think that only one of those is a quality striker. And it, I think Gale. Right. I think Gale. And I'd see for why, because he's the only one with pace out of those. He is the only one with legitimate pace. <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, yeah, but, yeah, but the thing is, Tom, you can have a Shamak shirt, right? But he don't shoot. What's, why, why do you have a forward that don't shoot? I don't know what it is about him. Is he got a mental block about shooting? All he needs, we don't care where it goes, but he needs to shoot. If he doesn't shoot, he can't score. If he's not one of our best players, why doesn't every fan like yeah, Tony, Tony, yeah, but he doesn't. We're introduced you to the concept of a microphone again. You, no, I'm happy for you to talk. Can you get the microphone over to Tony? No, take it over there. I'll use it. Oh, do not touch my mother. Right, we've got to wrap this up, guys. So, last little argument with Joe, please. Most of the fans would agree that Shamak's been one of our best players of the season. So how can you say we've only got one striker in Gale who has hardly played this season? He's been one of our best players, but you put him in it. You put him into the realms of, of strikers in the Premier League. He's, he's not even in the top. What is in the top fifteen? He can't be because all the other strikers score loads of goals. We need, we need it. We need Shamak right to be chipping in with ten to twelve goals. We need three people to be scoring twelve goals. That's 36 goals it's, it's a nothing it's just over a goal a game we need everyone else to be scoring if they're not scoring then he ain't any good what, what we need to do is, is get a striker for 70 grand a game which we're not going to do but someone like Bonnie who's fantastic you cross him he'll add it one, one reply please Tony and then I think I'm just going to beat Jal up outside <laughs> fair one um Shamak creates space for other people like Punchin to score goals. Who's our top sc- No, second top scorer. Yeah, you have to go. Yeah. Um, you got many? Yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm only it is all about it is all about opinions and um, <laughs> it's all about opinions and, and it has, yeah. And um, Joe, I've got some news for you. I am in fact your illegitimate son. Homesdale Radio On your computer On your tablet On your mobile In your car www.holradio.net Okay. Obviously, Steve, thank you once again for joining us. It's uh, been a, an amazing season for us all. Um, and obviously, the questions will be centred around that. And uh, I will give some of this lot a chance to ask something at the end, if you don't mind. Um, but hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be pretty easy. So, <laughs> he, he wasn't here for that. Um, obviously, we've completed our, our review of the season earlier today. Uh, so, what was your current feeling on what you've achieved this season? You've comple- you completed weeks. your review. Yeah, our review of the season. Uh, right, what, so we did well. Yeah, we did all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
it would have been an A plus for gel, gel moans an awful lot, right? Why, why did we get marked down? What was the? <laughs> well, I mean, what were you angry about? There's quite a lot you were angry about. Angry about anything? You were angry about. He's <laughs> awful. He's trying to work on to me. No, honestly, no complaints. I think everyone was happy. I think Tony had a slight complaint about player interaction at Fan of the Year and uh, Player of the Year. Sorry. Right. That, that's been the only about complaint. The player lounge, not being a player lounge anymore. Right. <laughs> not being able to get to the players. No, players are not turning up into the hospital. Right. I didn't really want to go into that. <laughs> it's already what I want. Um, no, but seriously, uh, we've had a couple of weeks um, since, the, since the season came to an end and all the euphoria. Um, I imagine things have probably moved on for you. But looking back, I mean, you've obviously been satisfied, but what's your general feeling of, of what you've just seen this season? Yeah, it's okay. I think... Um, you know, it's where it's where we want to be, isn't it? So it, 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 it is slightly different for me because the minute we're we're safe, then you know we're trying to obviously work out what to do next year and try and keep it going and 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 get to a point where I think I've said I want to get to a point where at the beginning of the season we're not even mentioned as relegation candidate. You know, people just don't even don't even contemplate it and. Um, so there's a lot of hard work to do. You know, we need we need to keep driving the revenue up. Obviously, season tickets have gone well. We're trying to get a sponsor, shirt sponsor at the moment. We're working on that. Then there's loads of things that we've got to invest in, which we try and spend as little on, on as possible. So the pitch renovations, we've got work to do at training ground. We've got floodlight issues. We've got quite a lot of work to do with the floodlight, which is quite complicated and dull. But, um, you know, you have to have a generator to keep the floodlights going in the event of a power cut. And where do we put that? that we want to try and improve things the away end particularly is really bad you know in trying to get a drink or, or, or anything so we're trying to improve that M- maybe do something down the other end in the two corners just try and create something there maybe if we can um, and then players and it's just I mean believe it or not everyone says oh you'll be glad this is the busiest time now but really this is the only time you've got really to plan isn't it when you're not reacting well, I suppose we planned, We had a little bit more time, didn't we, this year from uh, from uh, things that we had to do because we knew that we would be in the league at, at least a lot sooner than we did this year. Um, and we knew what we had to do as well, whereas last year we kind of got there and then opened the book up and read all the things we needed to do. Um, so... But yeah, it's, it, it's really hectic, really busy. Yeah, you talk about all the work you've got to do. Obviously, when you came in four years, oh yeah, four years ago, um, things have changed so much, and you've had to sort of adapt as we've gone on. So this season, in particular, being in the Premier League for the first time, how much have you had to learn, and how much has that taught you being in where we are now? Obviously, you keep you, it keeps moving and changing all the time. You know, I mean, you, I don't know if you learn is. Yeah, you, there's, there's things that you would do differently, but with every manager it moves on, every set of regulations it moves on. You know, everything changes every year with the clubs that you've got to compete with, with the people that you've got to talk to. Uh, we've got a massive Premier League meeting on the 4th of June, which is to look at all the a lot of the regulations and parachute payments. And, you know, there's just so much ongoing change in football that I don't think you ever really learn. You've just got to deal with every situation as best you can, you know. Okay, um, is there any in sort of the way you have the way you're treated as a Premier League club? In, in, you know how different it is from being in the, in the Championship. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about in terms of learning. Right? Like, have you had to learn as a chairman in that time? No, it's a lot more. I mean, the Premier League 
without doing down the football league I mean the Premier League just got a lot more resources so it's, it, it feels a lot more professionally run you know when, when you're in it you're given a lot more information um, there's a lot more to do because you know you've got people that want to spend money from the point of view of the club the reaction to the club I mean we wouldn't get an American tour if we weren't in the Premier League you know we, we wouldn't be I mean we're going to these wonderful places in the summer it'd be great if some people can get out there but introducing us you know to a new audience fantastic games in amazing stadiums you know where there'll be decent crowds um, just the whole way that everybody looks at you and deals with you is, is different obviously the downside is everybody's aware of the money you've got and most people think that it should go from the club to their pocket. You know, that's the, you know, the way that, that you know, most people think. So, obviously, that, that's a challenge as well with, with the agents and players and etc. In terms of money, so thinking in terms of budgets, it's quite well publicised yourself and Tony had a budget meeting and then, you know, all the board got together for an end-of-season dinner and stuff like that. But in, in terms of your budgets, they're sort of, um, like... The, the season just gone the deals that were done were, were quite were sort of, well certainly what was reported in the press were, were very shrewd I mean I, I think whatever you got Ledley for was reported to be incredibly low for a player of that quality um do we sort of well did we remain within budget last season I suppose is the first question uh, not really I mean, we spent more in January than, yeah. than you know obviously we, we made a I made a plan that we would have some in reserve and we would see where we are in January and how we felt about life and then we'd decide you know, what you want to do with it because you're talking about amounts of money that you could almost build a new stand with you know, so in January you've got to make that decision do you think that we can stay here or should you keep it and, and, and find another way of moving the, the club forward but when you're in the Premier League it, it's so much better in terms of the things that you can do for the club that you've got to try and stay there you know you've got to try and do everything you can I mean just just to be able to walk around the place and say fix that get that done do that you know it's just it's just a joy really and um, I, you know I hope we can capitalise on it this year in terms of budgets I think I think we you know we're more or less at the stage where we're doing the things we have to do to the stadium we're making improvements where it's just unlivable you know so the main stand toilets weren't done last year a lot of the ladies complain about that and so they should uh, we've put a roof on it now which means at least everything doesn't leak so you know it's worth refurbishing stuff but and I think we're going to extend the 2010 lounge because that was a big success last year I don't know how many people are aware of that but from a from a corporate hospitality point of view one of the things we've got to try and do at the club is attract affluent palace fans the problem we have with corporate hospitality is it tends to get taken by affluent London based fans of other clubs so you know you can't if we built a new stand you can't just turn that on in five minutes you know suddenly find all these fans that want to pay that kind of money so it's about trying to build on the success of 2010 I think the copper will be changed into that into an extension we'll find some way of honouring Steve don't worry we'll, 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 we won't remove that part of it but um, but basically I think my feeling is that we've got a manager that I trust in terms of transfers so I think the main thing is to try and now invest in the team 
and get us to a level, like I say, where we're not spoken about as relegation candidates if we can. So we're looking at probably diverting a little bit more that way. Although, as I say, there are some expensive things to do. The floodlights, you know, we're desperately trying to get the cost of the, 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 the changes down because they're, they're looking really expensive at the moment. The floodlights, when they went in, weren't they? They were sort of state-of-the-art at the time, but it's for high-definition TV, isn't it, that they need replacing? Is that the right? It's, it's essentially for super slow motion. Oh, right. So you know when they go to the really super slow motion that they want to use more, the... Um, the lights flicker too much so between it one frame's dark one frame's light one frame's dark but then they also want a lot a lot brighter which means we've got to add new lights and then there's this whole business of the generator to keep the floodlights on obviously for the Premier League they're selling the rights all over the world so they've got a more or less guarantee to a TV audience worldwide that the game will be on you know so the undersoil heating which is great because I've always felt that made us a kind of second tier club because we didn't have those kind of things that would be fantastic the threshold of the pitch will do that really nicely so that that will look really really good Um, the the advertising uh, board will go on proper platforms you know and things like that but mainly it's going to be in the team this year Okay. and obviously for television coverage you've spoken about all the people that are watching Palace now but in terms of people coming to the stadium as well that's a lot more um, you know compared to when we're in the championship a lot more people want to come to Palace and watch Palace play Um, and it's starting to look like with more season tickets now potentially getting to the point where you've got a waiting list for season tickets so does that push the importance of you know building a bigger stadium or improving the stadium is that sort of higher up the importance list now that you know we're in the Premier League and more people want to come well it's a balance isn't it you've got to stay there you know I mean it's but definitely I mean those plans have never have never changed you know at the point where we get a scheme that's workable then then we'll we'll do it you know Um, and I think that we've got ways of financing it that don't detract from the team but it's it's a tight site and there's you know we're on it with Sainsbury's and we've got to make it work for everybody and also we've got to try and lose as little income as possible while we've not got it in action you know so um, I think that's why the Whitehall's Lane has become the favourite although we get a lot of exec box income so we've got to find a way of keeping the boxes somehow and you know so we mean by the corners trying to use them maybe Uh, well I don't think you can fill in the corners until you've got something either end that you want to join up to you know I mean it's it's you know you've got to bear in mind if you say where, where the old disabled section was where the studio is I mean it's not just simply putting seats in there you've got to get people to the seats you've got to you've got to have a roof you know otherwise people aren't going to go so you kind of look at the corners and to do anything now would probably be prohibitive cost wise you know to, to, to actually what it would achieve so really I think we need to knock bits of it down now and stop spending money on it uh, very quick go on Joe no, it's, not, it's not me alright oh, I know it was Tony I <laughs> hi Steve I'm, um, I'm a big fan of like little things make a big difference um, I mentioned on Twitter about the credit cards and you quickly replied about the fact that it's something you guys have already looked into so are there any small changes that you think are going to make a big difference that are being done this year compared to last year which aren't going to cost a lot of money to implement um, we've got all, all new tills. I mean, there's. I know it sounds stupid, but we don't really even know really what we sell because we have to do manual paper-based, you know, Excel-based stock takes and stuff like that. 
we haven't got a proper retail system in there. They're just sharp tills that you go and buy from Costco and stick on the thing. So you can't take contactless payments, can't take credit cards, can't put cash on your season ticket, which is what we want to do, so you can actually put cash on. Um, so there's, there's, I don't know how many there are, 80, 90 new tills going in around the place that hopefully will improve the speed of service and different options to pay and that kind of thing. And that's all stuff that, you know, we can take those tills into a new stand. You know, they're not, it's not a waste of money. It's like decking out a kitchen or anything like that. You know, that's all, it's all reusable stuff. So... And then obviously there's there's something we're working on that's quite exciting as well to do with the club shop. So I don't want to say too much unless we can definitely get it done. But, you know, we've taken the retail back. So there'll be a new online shop, a new um, retail system that links up to that. You'll be able to, for, for example, on the website, you'll be able to buy a ticket and a shirt and put them in one basket and then and then check out. Um, so it, sometimes I forget how much, you know, people say to me, oh, have you got much to do? I mean, every day is just totally full on with, with all these kind of lots of little improvements. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Try and take the, you know, the, the thing up. New gates, so we don't have them manky things at the top, you know, to the entrance to our club. Obviously, we've got to look at what signage we put on the main stand just to do that. We're getting rid of all the wires. I mean, that's been like a four-year project, trying to find out what all those wires are that are strung between the stand. <laughs> I mean, they literally... I want to just go up there and chop them down. It, it, it beggars belief to me that anybody ever did it, but there's hundreds of them, you know. There's CCTV and power cables and telephone cables and just the one... My particular favourite is the one that runs from the telegraph pole across the gate to the main stand. And that, that, that was like 13 grand we were getting quoted just to get rid of that cable and put it under, underneath. So it's all of these things that you don't really see that are gradually tidying up the stadium and where we're finding out where everything is, where it goes to. So when, I mean, right now, if we try to redevelop that main stand, say two years ago, you know all those cables just trying to work out what we had to reconnect to where just to keep something going would have been a nightmare so there are all lots and lots of little things that go on in the background that improve the site make it more usable get us to understand where everything is and then hopefully when we come to redevelop it it'll, it'll all be a lot easier but you know I don't think you'll see so many big changes we're trying to get the camera arc you know, where, the, where they actually see on TV. We're trying to get that to look as tidy as possible. I'm thinking about the seats in the Arthur White. Just so that they're all one colour and that when you look at the stadium, it looks quite good. And the Arthur White will probably be the last stand that gets redeveloped. But, so, it, you know... <laughs> 
Well, it's, it's vir- the Arthur Wake's virtually... It's, it's a real challenge because, you know, the roof of it's at the height of the road behind. So if you want to go up, you know, you've got a lot of houses behind there that, that have got... You've got light right issues because of the way the light is thrown. So... In a perfect world, so the modern stadiums... Are, The modern, the, the modern, the modern stadiums that they build now. We, we, we've been to see lots of stadiums, and we went to see one uh, Mites, which, who are the other Frankfurt side. You know, Zion track Frankfurt. And there's Mites. Mites are now in the, you know, their Bundesliga, doing very, very well. They're beating Iron track Frankfurt really, and they've got this amazing new stadium. And what they did was they sank the pitch first. And what it means is you come in on ground level. So you don't have any internal staircases. It saves you a fortune. The problem is you can only do it on a greenfield site because the minute you sunk the pitch now, it, then half the people wouldn't be able to see. Because if you, if, if you imagine you sink it like that, like the Homesdale, you, you know, your, your, your uh, sight lines are all worked out with the pitch being where it is. So it's not really practical, unfortunately. To ground share with someone, and if, if you're thinking about redeveloping Salus completely, is to redevelop it, try and get most of it done. But who would you ground share with? Oh, well, yeah, but the thing is, the practicality side of things. Can we afford to lose the half a week for a season with 8,000 seats in it? If you do the White Horse Lane first, that's yeah. 2,500 seats. Yeah. So if you do, if you do the White Horse Lane first, you've only lost 2,500. If you've got 6,000 or 8,000 there, then you're talking about, um, you, you know, when you knock down the main stand, you're only back to, what, 25, 26,000. So the lowest you go is about 23,000. Yeah. So, you know, the, I think that's probably the best way to do it. And then once you've got a new main stand in, then you can look at the after weight. Maybe just putting another tier on it, something like that. You're going to knock down the Homesdale? No, I don't think so. I think I think, I think think the Homesdale, we, we would probably look to do something with the roof. So uh, that roof doesn't lend itself well to joining up around the ground. Look, I think the main thing with the ground for me, where I've changed... When I first came in, I, I, I was kind of like, "What? Where's our concrete and steel bowl like Reading have got, like like Cardiff have got, you know?" And and I think what what we're creating at Palace is something that's a little bit different from everybody else. I think there's been so many good things that have happened in football with the Premier League, but there's some things that have been lost. And I think we've been a bit of a breath of fresh air in the division in terms of bringing back the kind of stuff that's been lost to football you know just the enjoyment of going to a game you know that whole community thing of all walking to the game together and and singing together and all that sort of stuff and and I think that the stadium helps that I think when you go to an Emirates you know basically when you build a football stadium right if you build it steep just think of it like if you build it steep you can't get very many bars and restaurants in there right if you build it like that you can get loads of bars and restaurants in it for me too many people have compromised and they've built it like that when all the sound falls away whether it's Wembley or the Emirates or, or wherever Ron knows his plan always was Sampdoria Stadium. That's what he modelled the Homestow on. And, and it's an angry, urban, on-top-of-the-pitch kind of stadium. So I think, you know, that's what we're, we're, I'm really trying to achieve with it. 
and I think it's important that we do that. So I don't think we really need a greenfield site. You know, we don't need it because we want a big laid-back stadium with a massive footprint where the people at the top are singing to the street behind rather than the people on the pitch. You know, I think, you know, I'm happy. In some ways, I'm quite happy with the construction we've got because it's led me to a <coughs> the kind of stadium that I think we should have, you know, a real urban inner-city stadium. Um, sort of point on the media really obviously the media's been uh, attention early on I think we talked about it a couple of times we spoke and you were making the point that you've got to kind of earn the right to be thought of in a different way in the media and what have you but have you personally found the attention I mean obviously it's got more positive as the season's gone on towards the club but you as an individual how have you you found your interactions with the media Um, I don't really you know I've got I've got people that I like in the media that, that, that are nice, you know, that, that you'll try and do things for, you know, if they if they need you on the radio or... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think it's an important part of promoting the club. The, the, the print media, I would call them a problem, but, you know, they get on your nerves, the print media, because, um, I mean, we had this situation this week with Steve. You know, Steve's such a nice guy. And... and, and the, the guy from the standard have been chasing me. Look, the thing is, if, if you know what they're going to ask you, right, and you know you haven't really got an answer, i.e., you've got two choices, right? You can either tell them the truth, which is sort of betraying the confidence, right? So, so let's take an example when we're looking for a manager, right? Let, I, I interview a manager. I say to that manager, the manager says to me, look, could we just keep this between us? You know, it's a bit of a problem for me. We've interviewed some really experienced managers. They don't want to be turned down by Palace. That's not good for them. Do you know what I mean? And equally, we don't want to be turned down by them. You know, you see, you want to have a conversation that's not in that spotlight. And then you know you're going to have a journalist ring you and say, I hear you met so-and-so and so-and-so. Now, what do you do? You can either... You can't say nothing, right? So you, nobody says nothing. You know, just if you say nothing, it's something, isn't it? Even if you say no comment, it probably means you met them, right? Yeah. So you've really got a choice of either to tell them the truth, which is betraying the confidence, or lie. Yeah. So I don't talk to them in those situations. I just don't talk to them. And and I do keep saying, Steve, just don't talk to them, Steve. <laughs> you don't have to talk to them just because they ring you, you know. This one lad from the standards rungs me, and the problem is I get so busy and they can't get me, so then they'll ring Steve. So Steve chats to him about the beer festival and, you know, thinks he's just having an off-the-record chat. The next minute he's written all this stuff about we're better than Stoke and it's all in the yeah, Stoke yeah. papers and all that kind of stuff. It's, I prefer the radio and, 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 and when you're interviewed on television because nobody can twist what you say or how you say it. It's always there as a, as a record, you know. What, what you'll get with the print journalists is they'll ask you the same question five times on the phone until they get something that they can turn into a thing, you know. Um, now, I, they've got a job to do. It's desperately difficult in print journalism, I understand that. Um, but I don't know why they even bother trying to find out, because so much of it's fabricated. I just feel like, well, just say what you want. It doesn't really matter, does it? You know, it, 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 I mean, already... There are things... There's this Sunderland defender, right, that, that we're definitely signing. I mean, I've never heard... I've ne- I've, you know, may, maybe, I don't know, but I, I don't think so. You know, I think it... 
at the point we're going to spend some money and it's that serious, somebody would have had a conversation with me, probably. But you just got to let it wash over you, really. You can't take it too seriously, and you can't get pressured by them. You know, who are they to us? They're no one to us. I don't. I don't care what they think about how long it takes me to find a manager. I don't. And, and actually, sometimes the more I go on, the more I get, you know, I kind of like, I, I'm not here for you. I'm not here to keep the people on, the pundits on the television happy or, because they all think we're done for anyway and they've got, you know, they're, we're doomed. I'm only here for us, really, right? For, for our team. That's, that's the only reason I exist. So I do some press if I feel it helps us, PRs the club a bit. You know, when, when you get tough times, like the Cardiff team sheet thing, right, you know, you do need people that, you know, it's good to be a club that people like, right, and that people, you know, wouldn't think would do anything untoward, and, and, and you get that support. Um, but it's important that, that you, you, you keep it a perspective on it and manage it so on that sorry sorry Ben but you mentioned on that um, the, the managerial search that was something that from like a, on a personal perspective I was what I got almost it's really hard not to get caught up in it because the frustration it starts off with the media saying people are frustrated and then you go on like the message boards and stuff and suddenly they're like well I must be frustrated because the media says I'm frustrated and it kind of almost built this weird momentum where I almost found myself frustrated even though I thought it's obvious you want to take time to get the right person that makes perfect sense so why am I feeling like it should be the decision should have been made does that I mean is that something you're aware of yeah I think the thing is it's really weird with football fans you know I, I, I understand exactly the you know I have football fans I know from when they tweet me or text me or email me that they've been up all night you know what I mean like they like like I can tell in there you know that they literally haven't slept that night because they've seen a player playing for Shrewsbury right that, that we literally are not going to stay up unless we sign tomorrow you know? and I mean and that's a trivial one but you'll get you know whether it's a player contract or a manager or a, you know I think the biggest one with football fans is how and, and, and this is really hard when, when you come into the game how you cling on to what you know right everybody clings on to what they oh you can't let him go we're gonna you know it's it's kind of the hysteria about anyone yeah. that you know in, in the end it's it, it's quite a brutal industry you know players come and go managers come and go owners come and go right you know it's you've got to always try and do the best for the football club that's what my job is but I listen to all those things by the way and I've said this to people you know obviously I discount the the balmy ones you know where people have been drinking or whatever you know but everything everything I get some I get stuff that changes my mind about things you know it's important to know what everyone thinks and you've just got to have a filter system and you can't be bullied right I won't be bullied by the media to do things in a time that makes them happy I won't be bullied ever by the fans to do things that they think I'll just sit there and think is this the right thing for our football club long term and it's amazing the amount of things that people have pressured me where afterwards they you know they're like oh I'm glad you you know yeah and I'll be the first one I think you know me to if people say why did you do that I say, well, it was a mistake. You know, we, we made a mistake. It's like all this this thing about transfers. You know, this thing in the media that's become the panic buying, and that you know, it's just a but. Everyone just writes it. They don't even know who we bought or what we did, or you know, you never get all the transfers right. But if you look at the track record in that transfer window last summer, we got Jason Punchin on board, right now. 
you know, there's always players that step up to the plate, yes. But, I mean, where would we have been without his goals? Uh, we got Mario Shamak on, 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 on what was basically a ridiculous deal from Arsenal, you know. When we played Arsenal, they were paying him more than we were paying him. <laughs> um, so... You know, we, we, we did some very, very, very good business. We paid a lot more to Arsenal now, by the way, because, you know, we, we stayed up and that was part of the deal. They had a player they wanted to rehabilitate. So, and Arsenal were fantastic about it, by the way, absolutely fantastic. But, you know, it, 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 you've got to take everything in the round. I'll never make every right decision. It's absolutely impossible to make every decision right. But every single one is agonised over and every single person's input that I get I look at and I go yeah actually he's got a point you know Okay. Um, a while ago you talked about PR uh, PR for the club and you uh, the American tour you said that you're going to PR the hell out of it um, obviously you're going into that there's a sort of a neutral pool of fans that you're trying to trying to get across and the American coverage of the Premier League is bigger than ever and you know you get so many games over there right. Premier League games uh, so is that something that you're going to tap into over the summer obviously you're going over there but is that a, a big thing for you? Yeah definitely I mean we've got um, three games as you know two against the MLS sides one against another very good side with I think aspirations to, to, right. to get there um, we've got you know loads of PR radio set up I think I think NBC might cover the games. You know the uh, f- the football channels. You know the football thing they've got there might cover the games. So it's really grown in America this year the Premier League because it's gone on terrestrial. You know they're getting they're getting the same audiences as they do for a, a hockey league. You know major hockey league game. Part of, not playoff hockey league but a normal hockey game. Um, and and it's they kind of redefined Saturday morning telly out there. Whereas Saturday morning telly used to be like bad cartoons and stuff like that. It's now they and, and they do it really well. I don't know if you've seen it. But it's a real, it's really European, like the typefaces and uh, and the whole thing, and it's all English commentators and a Palace fan lady who presents the the, the whole thing. So um, it, it's fantastic. So it's growing all the time. So obviously now you know now we're in the Premier League. We've got to try and garner overseas fans because that's what you can sell in terms of sponsorships and all that sort of stuff. But obviously for us it's very important as well that we continue to grow the fan base here and we don't I, I think some clubs are for, you know it almost feels like they don't care about their local fans you know they're just people that come to the, happen to come to the show but the show for them is the global thing that's going on yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't name names but I think for us you know it's about you know we've still got a fan base to build here but also we want to try and bring Crystal Palace to a wider audience you know? yeah, it's really noticeable um, well certainly on the message boards particularly with the US we've had so many more US based people sign up and also listening to this as well um, who have said that you know they've been quite open about it you know they've been watching football on TV in America this year and the coverage from NBC in particular is focused on the fans they like the fact that we had this underdog status they like the fact that it was a team built on grit and playing a certain way and so it does seem like an incredibly uh, open market at the moment it's probably only going to get better um, I mean, we're just doing. I've got the um, a guy called Patrick Jubb, who's the ex-marketing director of Land Rover, who's, who's a good friend of mine, and we're doing a whole piece of research at the moment, interviewing people, lots of different fans, um, 
you know, including from the fanatics to, to foreign fans that have started supporting us this year, you know, people in Asia, and trying to look at what we are and define, you know, the essence of, of what we are, distill that into some kind of document so that everybody can use it to kind of fall back on and these are the things we should always do, these are the things we must never do, you know, you know it might be any decision that we make you know what type of sponsor we have um, what signage we put up on the main stand what type of stadium we build you know we need to really have something for everybody in the club so that they can go back to it and it's interesting when you look at it how different fans from around the world react so like the underdog thing I mean from a marketing point of view that worries me right because it isn't you know you you can't play that forever and it also plays really badly in Asia they don't really get the underdog you know there's no you know they're not they're not into that right they're into the best you know Um, so I think it's 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 being a challenger to the to the norm creating something that's more exciting but going down that road more of Atletico Madrid you know that that not not you're an underdog that doesn't believe but you're but you're you know you're an underdog that capable of actually triumphing that believes that you can actually triumph and that's the biggest challenge with this football club I mean I've said things like I want people to moan a bit more if we're in danger of relegation and I guess I don't really I mean you know you don't want that thing where the fans turn against the manager and you know and all that sort of stuff you want our amazing support by the same token I just want a little bit more belief in the fans you know that we can be something better than we've ever been you know and and every single little thing that we do at the stadium is, is to try and make you lot feel more like you belong you know feel better about being there you know feel less like usurpers less like underdogs and more like well this is where we should be why shouldn't we be here that balance between expectation and ambition sort of you want the expectation to rise but not to unrealistic levels kind of thing I think you want people to support their team through thick and thin right but I don't think a bit of expectation really hurts and um, belief you know and ambition a little bit of ambition for the club you know let's get past survival you know and just get a little bit more ambitious than that and see if we can't together sort of push things on a little bit Okay. Um, now work is well underway on the undersoil heating the pitch all that sort of all been dug up people saw that at the beer festival things like that um, why don't you look at that and think I hope that lot we've picked know what they're doing yeah. it's <laughs> very right, much so. right now it looks like the cars are with bits on the floor <laughs> isn't it and yeah. you're hoping they know how to put it yeah. all back together I mean it's it's amazing how far they've gone down I mean if, yeah. you, if you if you go on to where the dugout is if you stood on the dugout before there's a real ridge up to the pitch yeah. now it's completely completely flat so uh, but there's amazing things that you find out right so we went there to sort out the threshold so I was down there in the week trying to work out what we put at the edges of the pitch so where the grass runs out do we have that fake grass or you know different sort of things and then we want to put a badge in between the dugouts but in between our dugouts isn't on the halfway line do you know that really no the halfway line is in, in the middle of the home dugout <laughs> because, because if you if you if you visualise it right, you've got the what is now the kitchen, which was the tunnel, which is where the dressing rooms were, right? That's there. Then you've got the dugout, the centre lines here, and the dugout. Then you've got the middle of the dugouts. Then you've got the other. 
so we tr we want to put this crest and then we're like but it's not the centre line is going to be there the crest is going to be over there and so every single thing you go to do you know there's some sort of problem that you find I thought you were going to say you found a double decker bus buried on the building. no there's nothing no in fact we've got really good I don't know if you noticed but even without undersoil heating and without all the things the pitch on the last day of the season looked like it was yeah. on the first day of the season I mean absolutely and yet you went, we went to West Brom away where they've got Desso and everything the, the problem for a lot of people last year was if the water table around the pitch comes up above the pitch it doesn't matter what drainage you've got under the pitch it's going to be flooded and all the grass get Milton Keynes at it and West Brom at it so we've got we've got, we've got good natural drainage there it's actually quite a good uh, natural site for a pitch so um, you, well I'm expecting that uh, work's underway looking at the playing squad for next season um, it's a question we, we have to ask and I'm sure you don't have to answer anything you don't want to but um, a lot of attention on the out of contract players at the moment is uh, anyone confirmed to be leaving yet or anyone and, and any talks underway no, I think Tony's been away last week. I think he'll have a chat to any players that he, you know, he, he doesn't want to offer a new contract. You know, there, there have been some conversations with with various players. I mean, I don't want to put pressure on people, really. You know, but the, the, the obvious players that you would expect to have been spoken to have been spoken to. People have got to realise that everything's got to be right for everybody. You know, and and. People have got to make the right decision about about what they do, and the club's got to make the right decision. So, so those things will be ongoing. I know everybody's got aerated because there's this release list, but that's just, just everyone that hasn't got a contract for next year now done signed goes on that list. So, you know, it doesn't mean that anyone's going. Um, but obviously, there's just so much work to do, and one of the I think one of the fallacies if you're if you're Man City or Chelsea, you've got targets, right? You've got people that you're going to go and dislodge. You know, Diego Costa is going to be dislodged from Atletico Madrid by one of those big clubs by dint of how much money they're going to they're going to keep saying a number until they can't turn it down. Right? We're not in that situation. You know, we we are in a situation where we're looking for value. You know, that's that's to try and get better. You know, we're trying to create value for money, and 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 so it's a very fluid situation. You know, you're looking at who's available. And, and how much they're available for and all that kind of thing so it's I'm actually dreading it to be honest I'm, I mean I had Rich from the South London Press who I like a lot he texted me the other day he said I'm trying to find I'm, are we looking at and he mentioned the name of a player and I texted him back Rich are we going to do this all summer <laughs> are we going to do this again please all summer we're going to do this you're going to text me I'm not going to answer you unless it's a no right yeah. so it, it really is a nightmare the old transfer window well, I've got another question on the transfer window in terms of that um, how much work has gone on already is it a case of the season's finished we're having a break or is there already sort of targets to identify and yeah, the scouts have been out there yeah now there are people that we're looking at that are available or you know you start getting lists you know people want to sell players as well as you know so you get lists you can have this player this is the price um, you know you get things from all over Europe Keith's been out to Europe David Kemp's been out to Europe our scouting department have been going out there the whole season so then they take if they're players that they think maybe they then take they go up a level you know they might take Keith Millen or David Kemp and then they'll come back and speak to the manager and say yeah maybe for you I think the, the, the learning curve I think that I have had this year is about Premier League football you know and what, and what you need to succeed 
you know, in the Premier League, and it's a very, very, you know, the players in it are very strong. You know, if you look at most of the teams, you know, the players are very, very strong. You know, there's not many teams that are little, and 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 you know, it's it's a quite physical, um, tough, strong league where you've got to be able to run. So. I think the kind of players that our scouting department were looking at with Ian have obviously changed with Tony. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, listen, we've got no lack of names. Trust me, you know, there's names coming out of our heroes, and every agent you meet gives you another list of names of people, and you don't know whether they're their players or players that they can get that they want to get involved with or whatever. But the good thing about Tony is he knows exactly the type of players he wants. He's got people that he trusts. That you know, the character of the player is so important. I mean, one of the things that kept us up this year was the character of the squad. Right? We had really, really good lads, and everybody should. Again, I go back to Ian. You know, Ian played his part. You know, every single person we brought in, pretty much. You know, Mariapa and um, and Punch and and Champ, You know, they're all good, good lads yeah. and, and that stood us in really good stead in the darker times you know around November and, and, and stuff so yeah we've got we've got names we've got targets but then we'll go and talk to the money and they'll say this money and we'll say no that's too much then we'll go away then maybe they'll go and look around and they'll come back to us and you know it's just a very fluid situation right. you did mention in there uh, Europe quite strongly um, is that what represents the best value for what we're looking for no, I just that's just one of the things that's been going on. I mean, the players here tend to be a lot more exposed, don't they? So, typically, people know, you know, they know the players, right? I mean, I think we've seen for players, individual players, to make the step up from the championship is hard, and it's getting harder all the time, right? So, you're looking at other Premier League players, players that are in their squads. I mean, you know, we, we, we want a smaller squad this year, so I think Tony's plan which I completely agree with is, is to have you know better fewer better players if we can and then make sure we've got room for a couple of youngsters so like the best two youngsters really get involved Tony's absolutely bought into the academy you know we, we, we need to we need to pressure these kids to come through though you know not just go oh we've got a lovely academy and they're all lovely and aren't they lovely boys and all that you know we've got to put pressure on them to get them into the first team so who are the best two right you're you're fundamentally in the squad lads Right, you're training with the first team. Right, your your aim is to, like the rest of them, is to get into the first team this year. So, Gary's working with Tony on on that. Um, there'll obviously be a couple of loans, you know, because everybody can see what you can do with loans. You know that, that Everton have done this year with Lukaku, and um, you know other sides have done. So who they're going to let out on loan why they come to your club what case you can make for them to come to you it's complicated and it's very fluid so you'll see a million stories 50% of them will be true 50% of them will be total rubbish the only problem is you won't know which ones are which so (laughs) always the way Um, last question from us in the main and then we'll try and grab a few more and not take up your entire day Um, it's a bit of an open ended one it's what will you consider to be a successful season next season Listen, I think I think we've got a. Cons- uh, what's really important, and I'm and I'm balancing, but we need ambition and a bit of expectation, but not arrogance, right? I would I would hate that was why Steve was so mortified with what people thought about what he said about Stoke, you know, that suddenly we're all getting ahead of ourselves, you know. I mean, we we've we've got here, I think, you know, having a bit of humility and not deriding every other club or starting to fantasise. Look, look look where it got certain clubs. I think when they got a bit arrogant and they started taking their place in the league for granted, you know, 
you know, certain clubs now that have dropped, you know, right down the, the league. So, I wonder who you're talking about. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about anybody in particular, and they're under different ownership now, but, you know, it does happen, and we've got a guard against it. Every single year, as I tweeted, you know, now, I sit here, there are 20 clubs, all on no points, yep. right? last year's last year you know we're going to need every single bit of support every single bit of acumen that Tony's got every single bit of hard work in the transfer market I can't get lazy stuck and oh yeah alright we'll pay that but, you know I've got to fight for every penny like I do and, and, and we've got to fight for every result you know when we get in there I think that you just you just get on bad runs in this division it's just so easy and, and in a funny sort of way it gets harder every season because it's about as much about getting players out that aren't hanging around the place as it is getting good ones in you know if you look at some of the squads that have struggled this year I think people like West Brom would say you know it, three or four years in the division and you've got a little bit of a bloated squad you know you've, we, we've essentially got a wage cap you know in this division as well people don't realise you know there's a salary cap there's a maximum amount you're allowed to spend on wages depending on the size of your club and a lot of clubs are up against that and they've also got this three-year financial fair play target in terms of what they can lose. Um, I, I start with the premise every season, and I did it in the championship and I do it in this league, and this is really important, right? I start with the premise that if we just stick together and we make right decisions, right, there'll be three, other, there'll be three teams out of 20 that don't. Right, there'll be three teams out of 20 that have some kind of internal ownership problem or management problem or whatever. So my first starting point is let's just keep doing the things that we do. Being Palace, sticking together, fans, management, owners, everybody on the same page, doing our best for the club and let's stay in the division. And every year we stay in the division, a little bit of money will get taken to do the ground, all the long-term stuff. But hope, and also, you know, let's have a tilt at a cup. You know, let's have a little run at a cup if we can build the squad. Maybe, maybe this year we'll have a little go and see how it works out. And then the season after, if we're still there, we'll have a we'll have a bigger go. But this is the first time in 25 years, really, that the club. I think because even when we got in the Premier League last time because we went straight back down there were no real long term plans this is the first time with the manager that we've got we can start thinking and, and, and actually having a little plan where we think do you know what I reckon we might stay here next year as long as we all stick together so let's actually start thinking and acting like we will and start making some long term plans that we will And so I'm not getting ahead of ourselves I don't want to finish 17th because I, I, all that last day of the season because that can go any way, right? You, you really want to be, you know, 16th, 15th, in that sort of territory as a, as, a, as a million. Anything else, as we've seen, it's so tight now. You know, you can win one game, you can go up three, four. I mean, up, up to the second to last game, we still could have got ninth, um, which would have been, you know, absolutely unbelievable. So, um, yeah, so let's just stand in division and see if we can't have a bit of a cup run. That would be my ambition, if, if possible. <coughs> All right, I'm going to let a few of you have some sensible questions, if you can. If you have them, um, so we'll start at the front. Tom, obviously, the microphone's got to come back. So there'll be a pause between the question and the answer, all right? Well, you said earlier, sorry, you said earlier that you, you listen to everybody from the fans. Right, so is there one thing that you've heard from a fan that has made you think... Wow, I'm going to do that 
I thought you thought what you you get all like you say you you filter out the rubbish, you keep the the good bit, the good things, and then you and then you finally got down to two or three things and thought, do you know what? I'm going to elaborate on that one thing. Is there one thing that's really stood out in your mind that you thought I got that in a tweet at half ten on a Tuesday night from from any fan? I can't. I can't remember. There have been loads of things, you know, whether it's an improvement in the ground or uh, or, or, or whatever. I think. But when it comes to the big things, you know, you, you get some really insightful stuff. Sometimes when people are almost being flippant, you know, it's, it's weird when, when you take an, a, a view to its, its most extreme logical or illogical conclusion. Sometimes it can really resonate. Do you know what I mean? And certainly when we were looking at Tony, you know, which was a massive decision you know because I don't I don't really want to play you know tippy tappy football but by the same token I don't really want to you know go back to what we've watched under some managers you know where we're just playing second ball football so um, there was some really insightful stuff you know somebody might say They'll just jog you back into what's important, you know. Someone, you know, you're you're fiddling about with thinking about different things, and then someone might say the most important thing is that we give it 100 percent to try and stay in this league, right? Because we may it's taken us 10 years on average to get back into it every time we get out of it, right? And I remember getting something like that from somebody, you know, and and you go, that is an indisputable fact, right? Every time we get out of this league, on average, it takes us probably about eight years to get back into it, so. And in my lifetime, when am I going to have the opportunity? You know, I might personally never have had the opportunity again to try and keep us in the league. So that, that, that became the priority for me. You know, the most important thing is stay in this league and then we'll worry about, you know, if the football's not quite exactly as we want it or whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that. And try and manage that as we go along. You know, I mean, one of the things... That I've, you know, Tony's really learned about the club. You know, while he's been here, you know, it's amazing how little any of us know about other clubs. Really, do you know what I mean? You don't really know because you just live your club, don't you? And he's really learned about our club, what what certain things mean to us, what's important to us. And I think he's, he's, it's weird, isn't it, how we, we played like Palace. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think that was like a classic Palace side, you know, under Tony. That Liverpool game when Yannick was, and, and, and Glenn, it was like watching Wright and Bright again with, 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 with Glenn and Dwight. And, and, you know, it was fantastic. So, um, you know, I, I constantly try and just kind of keep that going and just say that that's... That's what we want, you know. That's what everybody loves. That kind of football, you know. That's what you know. It's exciting. That, that it, it's us, you know. And uh, people respond well to it. So yeah, there's 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 loads of things at, at really key moments that I get told by people that just remind me what the first principles are. What's important? Okay. Uh, anyone else? Hi. Uh, you may or may not want to answer this, but is the Spygate issue over? And if so, what was the verdict by the Premier League? Really, I've been here that long that people are growing up, aren't they? They're like, he's about that high when I first met him. <laughs> and he's like, he's up here now. Um, uh, there isn't one in yet, but I think it'd be alright. We didn't do anything wrong, you know, honestly. There's, there's, I don't know what they, what, what they can say, you know, and they just told us to team. Do you know what I mean? I mean, what, you know, I mean, it's. it's, it's 
just one of those things that it, we haven't heard anything. I, 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 I don't know if we ever will, really. Just going from Cardiff and the, the, the chairman coming in, obviously not knowing how to deal with the fans, uh, and the transfer market, how do you think the atmosphere at Palace will attract players in? Because obviously we've got something special at Salas. We've been voted the best best fans of the season. That Liverpool game, I thought the ground was going to fall down, seriously, because <laughs> of the noise. and the, how, how much do you think that helps bring players in? Obviously, when a player's thinking about coming to a club, what they tend to do is they tend to talk to other players at the club, right? It's like you, right? If you're going to go and change jobs and you know a bloke that works at the... You'd ring him up, you know, or, or her, and you'd say, look, I'm coming to... You know, what's it like there? And I think all that will go in the mix, you know, and, and yeah, how good the fans are. I mean, players do love playing in front of vibrant crowds, you know, and... Um, but look, I think the main thing is an expectation of success and, you know, for most players, there was a debate last night with Gary Lineker was arguing with Rob Shepard about, you know, what makes a player want to win, you know. I mean, in my experience, of the players that we've got, you know, once they get on that football pitch, they want to win. You know, they, they're, they're in the moment and they want to win. But, you know, their, their, their well-being and their families and, you know, if, if you're a player that... If I'm saying to a player, it's a 40% pay cut if we get relegated, then first and foremost, he wants to try and find a side that he doesn't think are going to get relegated. You know, that, that's really important. So I think people will have be taking us a lot more seriously, mainly because of that. But absolutely, that will come into it. What's it like there? And, you know, you've got people like Shamak. I mean, Arsenal have got... Arsenal flip-flops in the training ground, you know, it's like a spa, I mean, it's an amazing place to go every day, you know, our training ground's not a patch on it, but I can tell you, he's much, you know, he's, I'm not saying he was unhappy at Arsenal, but he was unhappy not playing, players want to play, they want to do well, yeah, they want vibrant stadiums, I think the really important thing is that fans don't get on their back, I think that's what really, you know, I think if they rang another player, the player would say, they're really good here, you know, like they're really encouraging, even when we're 3-0 down, they're still singing to us, they're still keeping us going, that, you know, because you, you can go anywhere and you can be a hero when things are going well, and, and, and every football club, you're a hero if you're in the side and you're going well, but what encouragement do you get when things are going against you, you know, what are the fans like then, that, that, that would definitely, you know... Um, in terms of stadium development, you said you want to do the White Horse first. How closely are you working with Sainsbury's? Are they like key to developing that stand? Or I think I think they're keen. I think they're keener to develop their store than they are our stand. <laughs> but we could, there's a common, you know. Obviously, it's a, it's quite a tired looking shop as well as a stand. It, the whole area is a bit of a mess, really. So. We've got a dialogue with them about how we do it and what we do. Because you wouldn't be able to put a stand on there really without them being involved. I'm behind you, Tom. Have you got any specific personal highs and lows this season, Steve, both on and off the field? To do with football or? <laughs> 
I had a good night out in February. No. <laughs> I had a good skiing trip. That was quite good. So that was the one game I missed when I went skiing, the Wigan game. Um, what um, what uh, highs and lows? It's, it's, it's really, it's really it's quite different when you're in it. Um, sometimes the pressure is so intense, you know, that it's, I don't know about highs, but there's moments of extreme relief. We, I think Hull away, I, I really thought we could stay up. I thought that was nothing short of a miracle result, really. You know, people forget Yannick got sent off. Even I forget. You know, Yannick sent off. We're clinging on to nil-nil as it is. And then they sort of go gung-ho. A little bit like Derby did yesterday when, they, when, when QPR went down to 10 men. They were just sort of waiting to win it. Forgot about defending and, and, and Baz, you know, gets the, gets the goal from nothing. So... Um, that was a moment of, I remember that being a moment thank you a moment of extreme relief you know really um, and then Lowe's um, I think when that Spygate thing started you know that was pretty pretty miserable you know people were saying that you know we'd basically been dishonest you know and, and so that was wasn't very pleasant really um, no but other than that you know it's, it's, I try I try and stay I know it's difficult for everybody but you know Dougie taught me that really early on you know and, and I knew that you know when you're like if we lose on a Saturday on a Monday I've still got to try and order the teals and work out how we can sell more fast you know what I mean you can't you just can't sink every time you lose and you can't get carried away every time you win you know you've just got to try and keep it on a on, a, on, a, on an even keel if you can so Steve obviously we've got the uh, World Cup coming up um, very soon um, I'm assuming you'll be watching as much as you can um, you've got the teams obviously that everyone expects to win you know your Brazils your Spains your Germany's Argentinas but do you think that um, you'll also be looking at some of the the lesser known teams to perhaps maybe see if there's any stars there we could possibly look at I know, I know it excites fans, you know, the whole overseas thing. And, and, of course, you know, Tony's going out there for a week and, yeah, we will, we'll have a look. But it's a different thing, a World Cup, you know, and you often get players that will excel playing for their country in the World Cup, but that's a world of difference between moving from, you know, Bolivia and coming to live in South London, you, you, you know. It's much I think that um, obviously you're looking everywhere to try and find a player but we, we certainly you know we had problems settling you know like Campania and you know we had problems settling them in here it's it's a big difference you know an overseas player particularly if they don't have the language and, and they've got to come and settle in and you kind of either have to go that way so you have quite a few of them you know so they can interact and but it does get a bit factional then down at the training ground. You know, the Spanish lads will chat to us, but you know, unless they're all they all speak English and they're quite used to, or they all speak Spanish or they all speak French. You know, so yeah, we'll be looking at it. But I think there's a preference. I think you'll see, ironically, for all the problems with the national side, I think you'll see a lot of sides go a little bit more. I wouldn't say British, but you know. British, Scandinavian, you know, Anglophile, Anglophile Europe, 
you know, I think you might be seeing a little bit of that going on with our local rivals. You know, some of the Spanish players have been released. You know, I wonder if they'll go a bit more sort of local, do you know what I mean, to try and get them out of that division. I think when you're, when you're Chelsea and Man City and you're buying the very, very, very best and you've got an infrastructure to naturalise these players and, and they're earning so much money that if they want to fly back on a Sunday to wherever they live and you know, spend some time, they can, they can do it. I think it's a little bit more of a challenge for us. That doesn't mean never, but it just means we've just got to be careful about where we invest abroad. Because I think, again, you see a lot of foreign players, they come, and it takes them a year, a good year before they've really settled down, you know, You've got to remember their partners have got a life as well, you know, so they bring their wife or their girlfriend and they don't maybe speak the language and it's really difficult for them and that puts pressure on the player because um, the kids maybe don't like the school or, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just a lot more variables with, a, with an overseas player who's never played or lived here compared to getting somebody that knows the league and, you know, has, has been around the country. No, she's um, Spanish, yeah. They, yeah. Oh, is, he, is it finished with him? <coughs> I, I assume they got relegated. So there was a deal where he stayed there if, if, if they stayed up and they got relegated. So <coughs> he, he'll be coming back for training. And... That's good. That's good okay, that's all, then. that's all we're going to do for now. Um, obviously, thank you to Steve for coming in. Much appreciated. And thank you... Uh, obviously a massive thank you to all of you for showing up as well it's much appreciated I think this FIFA tournament is still going to finish and we might we might even do a quiz or something but, um, but for now obviously thank you to the Albion as well for hosting this it's much appreciated cheers guys it's going to be Barry Barry Bannon coming Barry Bannon Barry Bannon Barry Bannon Thanks, Ben. Both teams finished fifth on 72 points last season. Tottenham in the Premier League, Crystal Palace in the Championship. A division apart in May, not so now. But an indication of the task ahead today for Ian Holloway's newly promoted team. Let the games begin indeed. What a welcome here for the home team at Selhurst Park. Soldado and Paulinho in the centre, Sigurdsson there as well. Oh, did it strike the player on the arm? It did, penalty. Chance for Roberto Soldado to score a debut goal. And didn't he put it away well? It's going to be a long, hard season for me with these people because I had it before where certain clubs get fouls and other clubs don't. And um, my little Blackpool side, we, uh, we didn't get as many as we should have done. Stoke City, with our new manager Mark Hughes, searching for his first Barclays Premier League winning 15 games. A newly promoted Crystal Palace. Shamak making a run here for Crystal Palace. Oh, he shook off the defender. Has he got a chance here? Oh, it's a goal for Crystal Palace. And it's Marouan Shamak on his debut as a starting player. Charlie Adam is there, Walters is there. It is Charlie Adam against his old manager. Would you believe it? Oh, there's a chance of a second one, and it's there. Ryan Shawcross, in the middle of the crowd, somehow finds room to send that in the back of the net, and Stoker in front. Stoke City 2, Crystal Palace 1. Give a good account of ourselves. We uh, 
still, obviously, with the, the players we brought in so late, Punch has only changed a couple of days and Shamak haven't done much this, this summer. I, I was very, very pleased, particularly the first half. You know. Despite frantic attempts over the last few days, Ian Holloway isn't able to include any new faces in the Crystal Palace team yet. So it is the same one that lost at Stoke last weekend. There are home debuts for Shamak and Punchin. Sunderland's record goal scorer Kevin Phillips is amongst the Palace substitutes. Plenty of targets in there. Oh, it was a teasing one. Dickachoy! Palace in front. Inside nine minutes. It's a dream start for them. And it's a goal Sunderland will feel bitterly disappointed to concede. Colback wants more too. That's a better delivery. Fletcher! The substitute has levelled it up. Last year's top scorer on his first appearance of this season. Marks it with a goal. And that might fall to Gale. O'Shea made the challenge. The referee looked to his assistant. And Lee Prober says penalty. Reaching for the pocket. Nervous moment for the Sunderland captain. Red card, really very little option, and I think, in all honesty, he knew that was coming. Well, what confidence this is from Dwight Gale. A huge moment for him and for Crystal Palace. Oh, and he dispatches it underneath Westwood. And the man who two years ago today scored a hat-trick for Bishop Stortford in the Conference North, scores in the Premier League. It's a fairy tale for Dwight Gale. Punching, still punching. And then the effort from the substitute. What a hit to seal it from Stuart O'Keefe. Crystal Palace are up and running in the Premier League. Crystal Palace 3, Sunderland 1. Pressure was building about a win or a point or whatever. And, um, you know, that, that does that in this, in this division. So I'm delighted for the lads to get off the mark. And, and for the fans, I thought they were terrific. And, um, what can I say that that last goal sums it up? William Holloway having to take his seat in the stand today. This is the first of a two-match ban. Cocked an £18,000 fine as well for his comments after the opening game of the season, the 1-0 home defeat to Tottenham. Valencia and Percy trying to turn away from uh, Gavidon. It was a good decision there for the referee. That wasn't a free kick, oh, but Palace have played themselves into trouble here. It's Ashley Young going down. Did Ashley there making the challenge? And what's the referee going to do here? He's going to give Manchester United a penalty this time. And it's a red card for Dick Ashley of Crystal Palace. Robin Van Persie. One nil. No doubt about it. Scaroni nowhere near him, down to ten men, and a goal behind almost on the stroke of half-time. And when you look at it again, you can see the initial contact between the players happens outside the penalty area. So whatever the decision, I don't think it was a penalty anyway. And Wayne Rooney will feel this is within range. He'll need to be on his toes here. Disrupt the wall. Wayne Rooney! I'd rather talk about after that and my team and the pride I feel about it all. But you know, as I say, it's um, referee's got a difficult job to do, um, and with a crowd like this, it's very difficult. To
Deadline day signing, Jimmy Kebe replaces Jason Punchin, ruled out against his parent club. Kagisho Dikachoy returns to the Palace midfield after a one-match ban. Manager Ian Holloway delighted to be back on the touchline again, having served his own two-game suspension. Jednak taking his time trying to clear his lines. Davis has picked out Lallana. Osvaldo has got Lambert free to his other side. He goes for goal himself and scores. It's Lambert for Southampton. It's 2-0 Southampton. Spironi left clutching thin air. And Ricky Lambert registered his 200th league goal. And suddenly there's clear daylight between Southampton and Palace. Shamak looks like he's dived there, to be honest. I thought at the time I didn't think he did, but he went over far too easy, which is something I'm not happy about. Can't understand why he didn't shoot or chip it, you know, but such is life, and um, we've just got to do better than we're doing it in the moment. Tonight, Fulham scored four times. That For the first time in more than a year, they thrashed Crystal Palace 4-1 in the Premier League. Uh, Fulham up to 14th, Palace remained 19th. The purpose of today, really, is, is obviously to put an end to all the speculation that we've had since the, the Fulham game um, and to announce that Ian's contract with Crystal Palace has come to an end um, by mutual consent. Um, you know, such is life. So I'd rather call a, a meeting in front of all of you to actually sow some solidarity because most of it's been absolute nonsense. Absolutely scary nonsense, in, in fact. Um, and I think there's only one way to do it, really. We've had a good grown-up discussion about what we feel, and we both still care immensely about Palace. So is there any more questions? I'd like you to ask anything that you've got on your mind in front of us two, so hopefully it'll be led to, led to bed so Palace can get on with what Palace need to get on with, which is trying to climb a mountain. Crystal Palace looking to end a run of seven straight losses face an Everton side have only been beaten once all season. Caretaker Keith Millen takes charge of Crystal Palace for the third time. They've already appointed Ian Moody, formerly of Cardiff City, as their new technical director today. And they hope to appoint a new manager next week, maybe on Tuesday or Wednesday. One thing you've got to say about Crystal Palace is, despite their poor form, they've got tremendous vocal support here at Sellers Park. It's packed today, and it's very noisy. Bannon. He gets Thomas going again. And oh, to Kasweli! That looked a really good chance for Palace. Yedinak. Thomas. Curls it with his right foot. Good save. Good turn, Belassi. Now then, Thomas has gone into a central position. Oh, the flag stays down. Jerome Thomas for Crystal Palace. Oh, he's missed it. Oh my goodness, what an opportunity. Everton were looking for offside here. Oh, that's a relief for Crystal Palace, it really is. There were one or two moments that you can only describe as sheer panic in the Palace defence then, before Delafeo's shot curled wide. They're not going to go down without a fight. And whoever takes over here is not going to have any worries about the spirit it would seem either in the dressing room or in the crowd.
whoever takes the job full time is is going to need goals. Are, are there goals in this squad? Yeah, that is that is uh, an issue without a doubt. Um, there are goals in the squad when you look at the players we've got and the quality. Um, I thought Shamak again today worked his socks off as a great target man. Um, probably just needs to believe a little bit more when he gets in them goal scoring areas that he's going to score. So, uh, but there's, there's players in the squad that can score goals, but we've created them. I'd be more concerned if we weren't creating chances. Crystal Pulis, see what they did there, yeah. and um, look, everyone who's looked at this situation has said very firmly, Tony Pulis, if they want to stay in the Premier League, he has the best chance of doing that. Now, um, it's, it has been a bit disconcerting to see guys like Aito Karenka come into the English game um, and, and take uh, the job at Middlesbrough and he was heavily considered for this job now some people may say well he speaks English and he's got a good pedigree whatever else but we do have good English managers in this country it's very heartening to see Tony Pulis Welsh uh, well, as well. Welsh, yeah. I know, good British managers forgive me um, <laughs> it's very heartening to see Tony Pulis I'm a proud Welshman there um, <laughs> very heartening to see that he's been linked with this job um, because he brings organisation he brings authority, brings respect we've heard a lot of stories about things going on in the dressing room uh, that have been very unpalatable, Tony Pulis won't stand for that, he'll go in there, he'll get them organised, he'll make them difficult to beat and he'll make Selhurst Park a, park a very difficult place to come You know, it's, it's, uh, you know it's, it's a club in the Premiership it's a smashing club, it's got great history um, you know, it's going to be a tough job. I know it's going to be a tough job. And, uh, you know, I've got no, I've not come into this football club with any illusions that, you know, it's going to be anything but a tough, a tough job. But looking and, you know, spending a bit of time and looking at what has happened over the, the few years at the football club, I think it's been a remarkable turnaround. I think the, um, you know, the board of directors, the chairman who sat next to me, have got to be really applauded for not only looking after the football club financially, but then pushing it on. And, and you have a look at how far they've come to get in the Premiership after a few years has been remarkable. In 21 years in football management, Tony Pulis has never been relegated. But my oh my, does he have a job on his hands keeping Palace in the Premier League? Back four, Jerome letting it run, Gale letting it run, it's Balassi. Real chance for Balassi, how long does he want? And eventually the chance is gone. And Balassi has followed through with his challenge. And Livermore is down on his backside. At the very least Palace should have done was get a shot on target. Instead, Yannick Velassi is sent off. Will the referee's red card steer them towards another home victory today? Nicely done by Jerome. This is Gale for Palace. Back for Jerome. Brilliant from Jerome. And a real chance at a goal is Barry Pannon. Would you believe this? Crystal Palace take the lead two minutes after being reduced to ten men so important that Palace hang on to the extra two points here Spironi can't get to it and it's off the line by Moxie thundered back against the post heroic defending by Palace they've got a bit of luck as well Palace do enough to come away with three massive points I'm delighted for the players for their, their effort and commitment today in the game you can see that uh, showed a great spirit and um, we showed a little bit of quality when we needed to for the goal and then we defended for our lives and, and that's what we're going to have to do this season. We've got a great shot of him responding to the, the last minute drama. He was heading them off the line himself, him and the chairman. Well, I did get a message down. I don't know exactly how it got to me to, uh, to go free at the back in the last couple of minutes. So um, <laughs> I thought he might have run done himself.
Tony Pulis led out bottom of the table Crystal Palace for the first time at Sellers Park against a West Ham side who'd failed to score in five of their last seven away matches. Bannon it is who puts it in. Again, a disappointing one into the near post. Ward's managed to touch it back out to Bannon. Better ball in. Shermack's header. Crystal Palace lead. Full time at Sellers Park. Crystal Palace 1. West Ham United 0. You need wins in this league and we need to win our home games. We need to win a lot of the home games. So, uh, you know, to get off to that sort of start is, uh, is brilliant. The Eagles would move to within a point of Cardiff if they defeat the Welsh side today. Maron Schumach's career in England hasn't really taken off in the way it was expected to after his fantastic start at Arsenal. The Moroccan got the winner here against West Ham on Tuesday. Lively start then at Selhurst Park. High from Gavidon. Yedinak wins it to Kashmir. Jerome is on side and he's goal side as well as the defender Turner can't get the shot away. Picked up by Punchier. Nice turn against John and the opening goal, Cameron Jerome. What a start for Crystal Palace. The right of your picture there, Crystal Palace's new sporting director, Ian Moody. Up against old friends today, having been employed at Cardiff until just a short time ago. Here's Bannon, little touch on now for Jerome. He's got Colker blocking his progress towards goal. Jerome with the shot and just pushed wide at the last moment by Marshall. Turning cross in towards Jerome. Balls here to Shemak. 2-0 Crystal Palace. And two goals in a week for Marrow and Shemak. Bannon with the teasing cross in. It was cleared only as far as Shemak. One touch to control and one touch to slot it in past Marshall. And it has given them valuable breathing space against Cardiff. Crystal Palace 2, Cardiff City 0. We did very well. We started very sloppy and they, they, they could have scored you know, after a couple of minutes. Um, it was a great save by, um, by Spironi. Today they faced a Crystal Palace side who've enjoyed back-to-back wins under new boss Tony Pulis. William for Chelsea. Might try one here. Oh, and it's going to be Torres on the follow-up and Chelsea have scored. Well, Spironi got a touch to it, but Torres first to react. And Chelsea lead at Stamford Bridge. Punchin has Ward in support. Joel Ward. Could go anywhere. Shabak! 1-1! He's proving a few people wrong at the moment. Palace stun the bridge. They barely had the ball up the other end of the field. But they proved dangerous on this occasion. And this is Ramirez to shoot. Oh, he left him standing. That's a brilliant finish from Ramirez. And Chelsea are back in front. Full time, Chelsea two, Crystal Palace one. You know, we gave it a, a right go, and um, you know we took Chelsea to you know, the last minute of the game with um, with our effort and commitment, and you know I think we created some good opportunities and good chances. Second half was better than the first half, um, but you know they really, really had a go. Dwight Gale is forward. Here is Gale. It's one on one. This Gale. In stoppage time at Villa Park. What a sensational goal. It's pandemonium in the corner. It's his third goal in the top flight. What a brilliant strike. It's what the game has craved. It's a match that has lacked quality. But that has quality stamped all over it. Wonderful goal from Dwight Gale. Guzan could get nowhere near it. And that is a big, big goal for Tony Pulis and Crystal Palace. 
Joe Ledley was the last Crystal Palace player to score from open play more than eight and a half hours of football ago as their recovery in the relegation rat race has been checked by a lack of scoring. But Chelsea anticipate a hard afternoon in a must-win game for them after it took goals from Torres and Ramirez to settle a tight meeting at the bridge in December. Chelsea know that Manchester City now are breathing down their next. Liverpool keep picking up results. They have to go to Anfield. This is huge for both clubs. Ward. Palacio. Ward again. Near post. Oh, it's in! It's an own goal! Crystal Palace are ahead against the league leaders to an own goal by Chelsea's captain. And you can't say they don't deserve it. We've had four minutes of stoppage time. Murray with the touch. Is this a pivotal moment in the entire season? A huge, huge win for Tony Pulis and Crystal Palace. A wretched, wretched day for John Terry and Chelsea. It's finished. Crystal Palace won. Chelsea nil. And would you believe it, Mr Chelsea scored the decisive goal. Ledley able to turn. Punch in with the run into the penalty area. Ledley finds it. It's Jason. Punch in! Palace in front. And that could be a crucial goal to determine the destiny of both of these clubs come the end of the season. Second for Crystal Palace would surely decide this match in their favour. It's Wolschemak! And it's put in! Ledley! And the former Cardiff man turns it in from close range. And out of respect for his home city club, the club where he started his career, he does not celebrate. Nothing in the way of celebration. A class act from Joe Ledley. Mariapa. Punchin. Running it away from Kolka. Punchin! Oh, that is a brilliant goal from Jason Punchin. It is sealed victory for Crystal Palace. And is the signal for Cardiff fans to get up out of their seats and leave. He got Palace on their way with the first half goal. And this is a beautiful shot. Cardiff City have been well and truly beaten in a match that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer labelled as must win. We played really well against Chelsea last week, but can we follow it up? You know, we didn't want this to be after the Lord Mayor's show. Two teams who at the start of the season would have been delighted to be safely tucked away at the bottom of our running order. Uh, Palace reached the golden 40-point target on Wednesday night and dented Everton's Champions League hopes in the process. What a job that Tony Pulis has done. 30 points from 21 games. Balassi. Opportunity beaten away by Howard. Punching 1-0 Crystal Palace. Balassi to deliver it. Was a free header. It's 2-0 Scott Dan. And the back, Naismith! Jerome. Good effort, 3-1. And might just come through to Morales. It has! A huge night for Crystal Palace. They will be playing Premier League football again next season. This is Cameron Jerome. Belassi's trying to get into the centre. Down goes Jerome. Yes, penalty. This time Martin Atkinson says yes. It's a penalty to Crystal Palace, just inside the line. Yedinak is going to take it. Adrian is the goalkeeper. 
and Yedinak scores. It's a good penalty. Really struck well. 59 minutes. The Palace captain has put them ahead. And is it going to be five wins in a row now? No goalkeeper could have stopped that. And Tony Pulis's side have the edge now in this London derby. Only one Tony Pulis is the loud chant from the Palace following here. Who would have thought that he would have turned their season round quite like this? I would have taken this if you'd have given me this when I walked through the door. Um, you know, the lads again today were, were fabulous. The, the biggest thing was the turnover, you know, playing at Everton on Wednesday night and then not getting home until 2.30 in the morning and then getting them to put a performance in that they did today and, and I think we really deserve the game. Well, the support here for Crystal Palace has been absolutely terrific, consistently terrific through the stickiest of starts to the sweetest Premier League finish, which this is turning out to be. Gerard's corner, and it's headed in by Joe Allen for his first Premier League goal for Liverpool. One of the smallest players in that penalty area and not picked up. And what a time to open his account. Palace 0, Liverpool 1. Sturridge. And shoot again here, deflection. But it's enough for Daniel Sturridge and for Liverpool. Coming here and winning was the main priority. If they can do it by a decent margin, they want to get on with it here, you can understand that. And get at that extra goal difference that is to match the city's advantage. And here's Suarez, and Liverpool are in again here. Sterling for Suarez. Three. Well, it was a pretty lean day in London for Premier League goals yesterday. But he's so alert to the loose ball and gathers it quickly. He missed that earlier chance, but never a chance of him missing this one. And all of a sudden, Liverpool smelling blood and the prospect of a few more goals here. Delaney defected and in. Oh, and that's hit the uh, goal difference back for... Liverpool Mini Lane, no chance. Oh, and Balassi is the right man for Palace here. He might take them all on. He's a real sprinter. Yannick Balassi. Gale in the middle. Murray in the middle. Here's Gale! They've got another one back. Palace 2, Liverpool 3. Dwight Gale steered it home. The sort of counter-attack that Brendan Rodgers has been setting up for Liverpool all season. It's gone against Liverpool tonight. Palace have opened the gates really in their desire to pick up what would be a remarkable point. And here's Gale who can get it! 3-3 three, three, from 3-0 three down, two of them to Dwight Gale. It's an amazing night at Selhurst Park. Murray to lane into the path of Dwight Gale. There you go. Beautiful control from Moet and a composed and measured finish from a player that's made a real difference since coming on. Not just with his goals but with his pace. I can't believe it. Well, Crystal Palace's comeback has thwarted Liverpool here. Dwight Gale came on to devastating effect. Liverpool were 3-0 up. Steven Gerrard's side have lost such a big advantage here. Goals from Allen, Sturridge and Suarez. Handshake from Jerry Francis there for a press ball and Brendan Rodgers. Suarez almost in tears. They are top of the league again. But Manchester City, in every other sense, in pole position. 
what about Crystal Palace? And what a season it's been for them. What a turnaround. Here's Balassi. Now Joel Ward. Good effort. And Gale was there and the flag stays down. And Dwight Gale, who scored twice on Monday night off the bench, gets the start and scores the first goal here today. Made by Inks into Rodiega. Corley Woodrow trying to create an opening. And he has! And not only that, but he's found the back of the net. Corley Woodrow, part of the future of Fulham, scores his first goal for the club. Punchin doing his best to uh, ruffle Fulham feathers in the wall as Dwight Gale strikes it. Oh, what a goal! Brilliant goal! The second of the day for Dwight Gale. Two goals on Monday, two today. Tremendous free kick. And it may well mean that Crystal Palace sign off for the season on a winning note. They're almost there, David, with the shot. Oh, it's in! few seconds of added time with the referee almost about to blow the whistle Chris David finds a top corner to score his first Fulham goal it would have been a you know a great result for us to win to come and win here today you know again in a, a London derby it was an entertaining game there was lots of chances both ends um, but now I'm really really pleased with the players I think they've, they've been absolutely wonderful this year It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.